This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to another edition of 50 Years of Chelsea with me, Stanford Chidge, and uh, as ever, the uh, the uh, one, well, I mean, really, my, my conscience and my memory for uh, most of this period of Chelsea history, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. You are feeling sleepy. I am actually. How did you how did you know? <laughs> but there you go. That's another thing. Not not for this podcast. And uh, in your mind, yeah, yeah. You, Jonathan, you, you have you have no idea. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I, you know, I get two hours of you on a Monday, two hours of you on a Tuesday. To say you're in my mind is 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 an understatement. I'll anyway, come and move in. I'll move in. Chicken. You're welcome let's, anytime. Let's, let's accept the inevitable. I have a lovely garage outside that can accommodate oh, you. Thank you. Know. you. Um, anyway, we also have, of course, I'm always always delighted to see him. He speaks so much sense, and uh, yeah. one of these days I'll get him on for a show when 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 we win something. You never know. But <laughs> well, I've got I've, I've got Clayton Beerman with us. Clayton, when was the last, when was the last time you did one of these? I can't remember now. Uh, yeah, no, it was great actually because I did it with Kelvin, wasn't it? Um, the promotion year, I, you you very kindly gave me that eighty three, eighty four. Oh God, it's been a while then. Which yeah. which was fantastic, and and now I come back and I see the wreckage that remains of eighty three eighty four. A lot of water has passed under Stamford Bridge <laughs> since then. I can tell you, um, up and down like a flaming yo yo. But there you go. Here we are, in nineteen ninety one, nineteen ninety two. Of course, the headline news that I suspect our, our two listeners now expect. Uh, is the update on the kit, JK. And I would have to say, number one, slight modification on the home kit. Uh, it looks broadly similar to last year. Blue socks still, you know, minus oh. points for the blue socks. Oh, we've, still, we've still got the kind of weird Croatia-looking diamond, uh, red diamonds on white 
uh, shirt and shorts for the main away kit. I didn't mind that. I didn't mind that. I didn't mind that. I finally became Scots then, didn't you I? Did. I didn't mind that. I didn't mind that. In that kind but, of long uh, tone that they sometimes have. Like, I went a bit Bill Shankly then. Anyway, uh, very suitable because there's red in that kit, but we don't mind because it looks quite swish. Uh, and uh, talking of swish, JK, I have to say, I have to say, one of my all-time favourite away kits, uh, which is basically yellow with a very yellow. weird... Kind of like it looks like it looks like um, Chelsea's kind of history in the eighties in reverse, Clayton. Because the the I was, I was thinking it looks more like the the Alps. Well, yes, but you see the you know kind of like you get on a graph. Yeah, yeah. This no, one's I see, kind I of see going where you're coming from, yeah, yeah. down, up, down, up, down, yeah, massive yeah. up. Actually, I think it's a representation of Chelsea from perhaps nineteen eighty to two thousand, maybe. Yeah, no, it could be, or it could just actually be a representation of this season. Well, indeed, it could. I mean, but actually, I can't actually, can't actually think of the high. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm, there's a more troughs in this one, but it's a beautiful kit. I love, I love this kit. I have to say. Well, it, it's quite interesting because I I can never be a fan of anything that's that's red, apart from the red, white, and green, which was a thing of beauty. And this particular monstrosity, I hated. But when I was watching some of the clips. Uh, you very kindly circulated. I thought, oh, doesn't that look smart? I really, <laughs> I really thought that it looked quite good. And and I think compared to the Crystal Palace abomination, oh. which we thankfully oh. haven't seen yet, um, it all of it looks great. And but but again, blue socks. But no, weirdly enough, in this, little, um, in this little uh, window of the kits, it's given a given us white socks in the blue. Which we didn't have at all. No, not I... no. Well, no. This is definitely blue socks. Ninety one, ninety two. No, no. I know. I know. I'm just bemused as to why it's come up with this. But yeah, I used to, um, with the memory once again, uh, Clayton, of the red, white, and green. I forgave any red, and also there is red in the badge, the original badge. There is a touch of that. So, so I, I think, yeah, I think it's okay in moderation, and I do actually yeah. find it quite hysterical. Well, uh, I'm such a such a hypocrite of because course. when I actually look at those red, white, and green kits, I think they they are beautiful. Well, and also Clayton, if of course you, I know you read my uh, last week's or was it the week before's article in Football London where I eviscerated the uh, Palace kit, but also yes, did. did mention that actually since 1935, about 70 percent of our away kits have had red in them, or actually been either a red shirt or a complete red kit. So it's a bit of an anathema to say we never wear red. Yeah, well, yeah, no, I, I don't think we say we don't wear it. I think as a, a but you said you don't like it. That's a different yeah, thing. Just, it's just basically it's. But but then I can't remember what game it was. I was watching something on you know gone down some particularly sad YouTube wormhole as we all tend to do, and I saw us playing in all red, and yeah. I thought that actually looks rather smart. Recently too. I mean, about two yeah. or three seasons ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. we wore the red, didn't we, last season in terms of uh, um, the Chelsea retrospective? In uh, in 1991, we wore an all red kit, didn't we? Chip? Was it last season we had the all red one? The, yeah, the, yeah. You know, the opposite to the blue Commodore. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And we had that weird Man United thing from a few weeks ago. It's been a feature. Of course, the great thing is before about 1970, none of us knew this because it would have all looked like black and white. So we got away with it, maybe. But <laughs> As I said, I, I was under the misapprehension that when we played Moscow Dynamo, we were playing in blue shirts because it was black and white. In actual fact, we were playing in red yeah, shirts. I go. never knew that. All right. 
let's get on uh, with the uh, you know the, the the season that was 1991-1992, and I'm going to start off with the title. Here's the new boss, same as the old boss. But before we do that, uh, usual kind of in and outs. And I have to say, it, this season was a very active one in the market. We've we've got new. Uh, manager Ian Porterfield installed, who was of course formerly Bobby Campbell's assistant. Well, well, and, and I mean, you know, it looks like he 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 brought in a lot of players. But I'll I'll talk about Porterfield in in more depth in a minute. But um, the ins and outs. Ian Pierce came in from the youth. Tommy Boyd uh, was apparently transferred from Motherwell for eight hundred grand. Although I thought he was transferred from Magpie. But I could be wrong. It's one for the teenagers. Oh, very good. One for very the teenagers good. there. Um, clever. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. You're so kind. You're so lovely and kind. Anyway, Paul Elliott, this is more important. He comes in from Celtic for 1.4 million. Andy Myers gets promoted from the youth. Uh, the legendary Joe Allen comes in from Hartley Pools uh, for 250 grand. And the most intriguing transfer, not just of this season, but I think of many, many, many seasons was the transfer from one Vincent Jones from Sheffield United, ex of the parish of Wimbledon, for 575 grand, who apparently on his arrival said something like, I want to make Chelsea horrible. And of course, if you want to make Chelsea horrible, uh, Vinnie Jones is your man. So there you go. Now on the other side of the coin, out go to my utter dismay at the time, I remember JK, Tony Dorigo to Leeds United of all people, for 1.3 million, Dave Mitchell to Swindon Town for 30 grand. The the absolutely wonderful, lovely Johnny Bumstead comes to the end of the line for Chelsea. He goes to Charlton on a free, and I've actually got a bit of uh, bummers here talking about what it what it meant for him to leave. And you basically completely nullified David Platt playing against Villa, and you did the same to Gaza, mm. who was like just on fire at the time. Yeah two man of the match performances so you, you still add it in you I would say yeah. so do, do you feel that you know you, you got let go a bit a bit too soon you would have had something to offer because uh, of course you missed out on the first Premier League season for Chelsea which I, I always think I look at it as a supporter and I think that's really quite sad because you see the length of time you played yeah, so you missed I'll, out on that I've chance I've never really thought about it because you carried on playing because you went yeah. off to Chelsea didn't no, I've, yeah. I've never really thought about it I mean I did uh, Bobby Campbell sort of offered me another year but it was never I don't think he. I don't know whether he really wanted to offer me it or not. I, I'm not sure, but if he'd have pushed for it, then maybe I'd have, I'd have signed for another year. But it was, it was left up in the air a bit, and then you know I was gradually getting playing less and less games. Yeah. So it was. Uh, yeah, did the move to Charlton come about then? Was there uh, other teams interested? There was a few, yeah. yeah. I could, funny enough, Fulham come in for me on a transfer deadline day. Did they? Yeah. Didn't fancy that. No. Nah. But um, I'm not sure how to follow uh, chat. I think it's more because I'm sort of from that area. I weren't far away from their training ground. I used to see some of the players and staff, and I think that's Made probably a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there you go. There's bummers, and uh, and Kevin McAllister, which I think probably saddens J.K. a bit. He goes to Falkirk for 225 grand. Something I know that saddened J.K. and still does to this day was Gordon Jury going to Spurs for 2.2 million because he wanted to join a club in the uh, back in Scotland in the north Judas yep and uh, Roger 20 Freestone uh, went to Swansea City for 45 grand so a huge amounts of movements there JK and uh, uh, the Dury one was just utterly confusing did you did you cry um 
I'm not prone to crying with these uh, situations ever. I just normally just stamp my foot and kick something. If I you, had a, you have a tantrum, I had a cat, I would kick it, but I'm allergic to cats. Say again. Yeah, I suspect they're probably allergic to you if that's what I they would do. Hope so yeah. I love them though. I love them. Okay. I'd have one. Apart I'd from when one. you kick them when jury leaves. Yeah, indeed. indeed. Well, metaphorically, I'd okay. Kick you metaphorically just, kicked the cat. I'd give it a talking to, probably. Um, you can come and uh, kick cat, any cat round my gaff any time you like to keep shitting in my garden. Okay, okay. Well, I'd probably tell them off first. I'm going to buy a plastic snake. <laughs> Apparently, that's my latest. I'm, I'm fighting a one-man war against the local cats. And my Are they next... not, not fond of uh, plastic snakes? Well, cats, my, my auntie said to me, get some rubber snakes, because they think they're real and they freak them out. Well, really, that's so I'm going to try it. Going to try it anyway. We digress. No, 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 Gordon Jury. Is um, this your auntie who owns a rubber snake factory? She does. Yeah. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> Snakes are us. I thought it was the joke factory, and you got a whoopee cushion yeah. thrown in. No, she supplied the she supplied all the snakes to snakes on a plane. Uh, what a film! It is. Yeah, one of the snakes great films. on a plane. Um, right. Got, sorry, J.K. We hijacked yeah, no, you somewhat I, there. I, as you anybody who's been listening to this will know, I I thought Jury was wonderful. <laughs> injured a lot, but. A completely wonderful player, which that you have to bow down to the scouting that got him from Hibs to play for Chelsea in the first place. Um, his ability just to almost decide, I'm going to get the ball in the halfway line, beat three players and scream the ball into the top corner was peerless, completely phenomenal. And um, uh, for to this was just a, I think he must have agitated for a move. I don't know why. Perhaps he saw the season what was coming, but um, uh with him playing, I think they'd have been they'd have finished much higher because a really top top player, Jury. So I was just uh, incandescent with with uh, with rage that they'd transferred him. I thought, but as I say, if if he wanted a move, he wanted to get away. I suppose two million. Where where were we with the uh, with, with the um, the state of the ground and uh, uh, and Bates at the moment? Was this a, a, a sale? As with Dorigo, was this a sale to? To uh, to pay off debt. Do you do know what? Know? I, 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 I have not done my homework, for which I apologise. But what I do note uh, is that this year, the High Court, because we're still in this this kind of Barney with uh, Cabra Estates, I think, uh, and the High Court. You know, Ken's been basically filibustering legally yeah. to yeah. delay it and delay it and delay it. But the High Court apparently values Chelsea at twenty two point eighty five million, uh, which we have to pay. Or we lose the stadium. Now, of course, we know that in the fullness of time, and it may have been this year, but my memory, forgive me, I can't quite remember. But what, what happens ultimately is Cabra go bust. So actually we get away with it and we buy it for a lot cheaper. Uh, because actually by the end of the season, and I'm sure you both, you know, I know you both watched the season review as I did. Um, Andy Townsend uh, actually mentions, of course, with this new new stadium on the horizon. So I think I think maybe, I think it was this year that Bates finally won that battle and starts planning for things like Chelsea Village. Well, he'd, he'd got planning permission already at the end of he last had. season. That's right. The village. So this was very much in his mind. But I, in terms of players, I mean, I, I, there were thirty. There are thirty-two players in the squad, and um, and the fact that he then ultimately we're going to get onto it buys Clive Allen. Um, you think why did Jury go? So I wonder whether he agitated or whether it was a money but thing. But he did. He did, he, didn't he? It didn't tap up. I heard he did. Yes. Yeah, he I mean, famously said, oh, I want, I want to go and play back home in Scotland. Yeah, so he went to Spurs. But you wonder what it was that caused him to want to leave in that environment. Cause he was a, one of the star players. Well, and Dorigo, Dorigo's leaving. Dorigo was another great player. 
And you just think, what is the aspiration of this club if two of the best players are let go at the beginning of the season? Well, it's, I, I, you know, my memory is rubbish, as we know. But we do know, having done the last few seasons, that Tony Degree, Tony Degree, Tony Dorigo, or Tony Dorito, as I've come to call him recently, had been agitating, agitating for a move for a while because he was a bit precious. Of, every season, yeah. Practically every season. Well, he was yeah. agitating to go because of his England place. But Clayton. Do you, I mean, the question I want to ask you is if you remember, you know, that I think Jonathan, what Jonathan's saying, and and me too, in a sense, is that that there seems to be some sort of disquiet in the dressing room, something not uncommon to Chelsea around this time, uh, and and a lot of turnover, a lot of players agitating to move. Do you think that might have had something to do with Bobby Campbell going and Portfield coming in, or, or what? Was there anything else going on that you remember? I don't know. I, I do. I have got a memory, which is why I don't particularly like him. Um, that Dorigo was ambitious, and he wasn't basically going to hang around and wait for us to to be successful. He basically was going to go and find somebody else to be successful with. So I, I've got no great love of him. I haven't got any love for Gordon Jury <laughs> because. Uh, the the minute he went there, I just forgot every great thing that he did for us. It's a bit like Poyet in some respects, not quite as bad. Uh, so no, I think that was worse than Poyet, but the Poyet thing still absolutely wrangles. I don't, I don't know. I, do, I I don't think there was dressing room disquiet. I don't I don't perceive that to be the case. And what I find is a bit of a contradiction. Now, obviously, we got more money coming in than going out, which is um, which is down to Bates's business acumen but it wasn't like in previous seasons where we'd got money in and spent nothing we'd actually gone out and bought some players um and we'll come on to tommy boyd who i thought was an absolutely fantastic player um and then we'll discuss what happens with him and i can tell you my thoughts about what happened at the time but no i I don't think so well Sorry, yeah, I've interrupted you about Dury. You, we were going to be talking about what. Sorry, what were you don't think so? What, what did you mean by no, that? No, I, I don't. I don't think that there was any particular disquiet in the dressing room. Um, I mean, I might be wrong, but I, I don't sort of remember that to be the case at the time. I just thought players in, players out. I mean, the jury thing was. I mean, we knew he wanted to go, and I, I, you know, as you were saying, J.K., he was a fantastic player on his day, and maybe he was slightly frustrated. And wanted to go and win things, which begs the question as to why he went there. Um, well, because no, I th- he's clearly a very poor judge of a football club. I mean, it's a bit like actors, Jonathan. You'll this will resonate with you. Some some actors are brilliant at choosing, you know, roles and scripts that go off and win them an off an Oscar, and some choose absolute lemons. And maybe Jury's a bit like that, you know, because Spurs are absolutely on a downward curve at the moment, as as are we to a degree. But there you yeah. go. Um, the, lure, the lure of the dosh was, mustn't be forgotten, of course. Yeah, big, yeah, yeah. Big signing on fee, big percentage of the 2.2 million. Now, I was interested in McAllister because McAllister, on his day, could surprise you. You know, you'd think, I mean, the very fact that he was playing and Nev, they got rid of Nevin and McAllister, he was like a kind of 10% Nevin. But occasionally, he'd nip in and he'd... So he was a Nevy. He was a, it was, he was a naive Occasionally, he'd... he'd <laughs> He'd dribble in, he'd dribble round and put a centre in. You think, oh, he'd score a little goal at the near post. No, he's not bad. But the very fact he ends up going to Falkirk for 200,000 is is his value. And it was... But I, I agree. Um, but he came, didn't he? He came when Nevin was still there. Yeah. And basically, they, I don't know whether they bought him because they thought 
he'd replaced Nevin when Nevin went. Um, but Kevin McAllister was never going to succeed at Chelsea because he wasn't Pat Nevin. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, just what, and as you say, he was he was ten percent, if that, yes. of Nevin. He was one of those horrible players who basically did something brilliant. You thought, ah, yes, yes, no, he, yes, yes. Yeah. And then he'd revert to type. He would, let's say, beat two players and score at the near post. And you go, bloody hell. Yeah. Oh, yeah, great. And then nothing would happen for the rest of the game or nothing Correct. would happen for the next right. three games. So, Talk, you know. like, let's get on with the season. Um, we start we off. We have to. Yeah, you do, actually. Uh, we, we, that's why we're here. Oh, okay, let's all go home. about Paul Allen very briefly. We're gonna, no, we're going to do it now, Jonathan, because it's relevant okay. to, to what I'm about to talk about. Basically, okay. first first game, you were there, I'm no doubt. We played Wimbledon, which, of course, people will know. Uh, uh, we, we've had a tough time against recently, but they're kind of beginning their downward slide back to where they belong. But we do have debuts for Tommy Boyd and Paul Elliott and Joe Allen, uh, who, interestingly, both Elliot and Allen score uh, in the two-all draw with Wimbledon, uh, which, of course, Allen, this blonde-haired uh, player from Hartlepool, uh, I mean, who was great in the lower divisions, I, 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 for one, could not understand why we were buying this striker from Hartlepool, but he scores. Cue this amazing celebration where he runs down past the goal at the shed end towards the shed <laughs> celebrating like he's won the world cup sadly he did score another goal actually a few games after this where he did much the same thing but i have to say that they were probably his high points in his chelsea career jk they were indeed yeah his ability to run into the shed was was remarkable was actually bates remarked upon it in his program notes the following week because he, he actually said it would be rather nice that rather than spend five minutes celebrating, he got back the other end, tried to score a third goal, then we wouldn't have drawn. You know, it was uh, that was the that was the view point of view. And up bizarrely, what I loved about it was that that with the with the uh, the few times that he's actually selected to play rather than be a substitute, um, he, he puts in a few nifty headers and shots. And if you just looked at this video as being what his contribution to the season was, you'd think, oh, he wasn't bad. But the reality was, was he was absolutely terrible. Well, and, uh, um, I, well, uh, yeah, go on. Go on, you go on. You were well, going. Well, no, I was going to say, yeah, I, I, I mean, I th absolutely. It, it seeds absolutely into what I was going to talk about. I was going to ask Clayton about this because, you know, in my mind, I, I'm with you on this, J.K. But in my mind, Joe Elliott is up there with appallingly awful strikers that Chelsea have specialised in, and I shall reel off a quick list amongst them being. Alan Mays, Bill Garner to a degree, um, you know, maybe Teddy Maybank is a bit unfair, Robert Fleck, Chris oh. Sutton, uh, Baldrick. Fleck, Fleck, yes. You know, Sutton, there's yes. so, you know, Mitchell, we have, yes. we've had so, so many, and I think Joe Allen's up there with that. But, I mean, I have watched a bit of the footage, and he doesn't look quite as bad as I remember him, Clayton, to be honest. Um, no, I, I'd have to say the, the highlight um, package actually made him look quite um quite decent he wasn't he was awful he was really really awful <laughs> what, what did I, mean? i've heard him and i can't actually remember i think we might have even spoken to him on one of the talk sport uh sorry the love sport shows did we yeah we did and he wasn't very funny what? no but he was uh, i think he, he was pissed actually i think he was pissed <laughs> seriously i think but, he was pissed when we spoke to him but but I think that he, he was just dreadful. And I just, you know, we sort of talk in this day and age about who scouted Kepper. Then you just basically think, who scouted Joe Ella? Who actually, I mean, you cannot get past the fact 
that Ian Porterfield, who was also from the northeast, was a mate. Maybe he was on a bung, mate. I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I have to say that his debut goal was one of the funniest goals I've ever seen. The ball ran up his body and hit ran him up in the his face. arm. If there'd been yeah. VAR now, he wouldn't have been, been allowed, would it? Well, watching those highlights of all those games, if VAR would have been about, all those players that gave away penalties would have been sent off. All those goals would have been disallowed. Anyway, we digress. No, Joe Allen was absolutely fucking useless. I, I think, think what he, it doesn't show really you was. on the highlights is the number of times he'd be in front of goal and would miss. Yeah. I think that was the major thing with, with him. Well, this is the... The dead cert, oh my God, he's hit the corner flag. How's he managed to do that? This, of course, is the yeah. downside of only really watching very limited highlights and, and not having a good enough rem- memory to really remember it. I but told I, you that story. I went to one of the, one of the data, data systems games. Why I ended up there, about 5,000 people in the crowd. Oh, God. And I actually shouted out after he'd missed an absolute open goal. I'm sure I've told you this. I hate you, Alan. Yeah, and it echoed yeah. all the way around the crowd. Yeah, around. And I got a huge laugh for it. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's actually lovely, isn't it? Thank you so much. I, I didn't get a I laugh. an old person's voice. I hate you, Alan. A bit like Blakey in On the Buses. Yeah. And, I, I, I didn't get a laugh when I shouted out in Gate 17 to Matic that he's a long, lanky streak of useless piss. But uh, that's, I can understand why. Um <sighs> The uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, I tell you what. I mean, we'll hear from him later, actually, um, because of course this is Kerry's last season. Kerry finally leaves Chelsea after nine years, and uh, it's very interesting what he has to say, really, about what we're talking about now. As the arrival of, you know, the, this was the year when a lot of strikers turned up, and it all seemed to be a bit odd, particularly when you see who they were. But I, I shall say no more about this because we'll hear from Kerry later about what he thought about it, and actually, in many respects, it. It kind of instigated his departure from the club. Anyway, we start off two all with Wimbledon. Um, we then play Oldham away, Oldham Athletica in the first division. Goodness gracious me, we got absolutely. We had our asses handed to us, and we lost three nil. They had some good players, though. You see, they had yeah. Rick, Andy yeah. Rick was absolutely excellent. But he, he wasn't. He wasn't playing for them, mate. What for Oldham? No. Was it was the away game he must have been playing? Well, was I, it I don't know. We'll get to that Marshall later. Played. Marshall, yeah. Snowden. Yeah, Marshall, yeah. Marshall Barrett. was a very, very decent player. Been a centre-half, they were playing Sharp. him at centre-forward. Playing him at centre-forward, very decent player. They were at a decent number. Of, the reason they were in the first division was because they had some very good players. And because they had a plastic good. pitch as well. And they had a plastic pitch as well. Not this really, season, though. Not this season, but they, that helped them get... Got them up, didn't it? They got, didn't they get to the uh, cup semi-final in uh, the year we got to the final? -final. Yeah, and basically they played Man United and they got beaten in a replay. It was four all or something mental, wasn't it? In the yeah, Yeah. tremendous game of football, the first one, absolutely brilliant. I think they lost in the replay up at Main Road, something like that. I do vaguely remember that. We'll get to that because, of course, that I think it was I think it was '94 when we got to the final. So they. You're right, JK. They weren't a bad team, but we still shouldn't have got our asses handed to us 3-0. But don't worry. Whenever things are bad at Chelsea, we're now in this era <laughs> that whenever things are bad, all you it's have to do is yeah. play Spurs. And we go up to Spurs away and we absolutely cuff them 3-1. Um, Kerry scores a goal. Uh, I mean, it was really just a bit of a belligerent tap-in from the great man. But his celebration was just brilliant. He, 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 you know, I mean, he was a boy. He played. He was in the Spurs academy. People may not know this, Kerry, but he celebrated like he celebrated like we would, which is just, just a joy to see. 
Um, Dennis Wise uh, also scores. Sorry, no, Kevin Wilson scores an absolutely great goal. Uh, but the thing I remember from this game most of all was that we were so on top of them. I mean, we scored on the third minute, the 22nd, and the 46th. Lineker got his obligatory uh, goal, of course, against us. Um, but we were, we were, the, you know, the away fans, all you could hear were Chelsea. And all you could hear when we were passing the ball around nonchalantly, completely in control, was ole, ole, ole. It was a I joy. I love also the fact that the Gordon Jury was booed. I loved all of that. Of course, yes, of course. And can I say, I think, uh, for my memory of it was also that, that Graham Lasso, Soxie, played out of his skin. Yeah. To actual fact, you, you didn't miss Dorigo playing as long as Soxie played, but he was playing more as a winger rather than as... Because uh, he had Boyd behind him at... Um, uh, at left back, but so, so this is a season where you appreciated that okay, Dorigo's gone, but Lasso is there, and Lasso was a top top player. This, this is but, but Jonathan, and you, and, and you actually said this. He wasn't a fullback yet. No, he was a left winger from our he youth was. team, he was. and he was absolutely brilliant. Because one of the things I wanted to pick up on is that when you're watching the highlights from this season. Is just how bloody good Graham Lasso was. Yeah, wonderful. And and also, Kerry. Yeah. Even well, though this was his last season. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, let's talk about Kerry because actually, you're you, I, this. Is, it's kind of a weird thing to bring up now, but it, it, this, you know, how much I love Kerry. Kerry is yeah. arguably my my all time Chelsea hero. I have such love for that man. Um. And actually, I think he started the season off in 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 classic Kerry form. He scored three goals uh, in his first seven games. Uh, he got he scored two that were disallowed. One of them, I think, was against Spurs, as it happens. Uh, and he just looks like the Kerry we all know and love. But I have to say, having watched the entire season back, that he starts to look, I think, a bit leggy. His legs are going by the end of the season, and I mean he's still capable. There was a, there was, I think it's the Arsenal uh, away match, which we'll get onto uh, in a little while. But he does uh, some amazing skill on the right hand, so just outside the penalty area, he beats about three Arsenal defenders and slides an absolutely perfect diagonal ball across to Lasso to score. So he's still got this skill and this great all round experience and game knowledge. But I've got to say. He looks. He looks as though he's blown out of his ass towards the end of the season. I th- One of yeah, his I great think... traits, of course, was his speed, wasn't it? Onto yeah. the... Sorry, but just... had he? He'd, he'd obviously he he'd had that awful injury, hadn't he? The one against Liverpool in the cup that was a couple of years beforehand. Well, Is that right? Well, he he no. I mean, he 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 got horribly injured, didn't he, in '85 before the World Cup? But... He managed to recover. In time to go to the World Cup, that's when he but, had to yeah, but, but the injury was against Liverpool in yeah. in either the league, and he never quite had that speed again. I mean, that absolutely screwed us that season. I know that you talked about it, but he never had that speed again. But it was just watching the beginning of that season. You might be right, and that's obviously why we brought in this plethora of shit forwards. Um, but he still looked like he still looked like he'd do a job, but. You know, you know, you know what, Clayton. I, I, this is a, this is a, as I said, I don't mind bringing this in now because I think it's really relevant. But you know, for the last few weeks, as Jonathan will will testify, you know, I've suddenly dawned on me that actually there's a lot of similarities to be drawn between 
Kerry and Drogba. I mean, watching a lot of these games back has reminded me that he did so much more than just score great goals. You know, in that in that period under Campbell, when we were effectively playing with three strikers in a three up front, he'd often be out drifting wide and putting crosses in. And there was something quite, and I, and I just loved the way that the older he got and the more mature he got, he brought a hell of a lot more into the game, a bit like Drogba did. Now, if we're going to make a comparison with Drogba again, I'll tell you what I would make this season. It's a bit like what Drogba was when he came back to us after having been at Galatasaray. The legs had gone, but the skill and the mind hadn't. Yeah, yeah you'd have that. Yeah, no, I would. It, it, it I think it's um, that's a really good comparison. I mean, I just thought watching the, the uh, certainly as you say, the beginning of the season, he looked so sharp. He really did. He looked really good. Uh, and maybe there were, there were things that we don't know about. The drinking, maybe. Um, well, that's gonna that will down and bound to, isn't it? Well, perhaps but, mentally, perhaps he was perhaps he was affected by the fact that uh, Porterfield clearly didn't have any faith in him or Wilson, because that yeah, had been, the, that had call, been the, yeah. the triumvirate of the season before with Jury. And Jury goes, and he's Wilson hardly gets a look in for the yeah. for this season. He does and he's indeed. Then, he's then transferred. He is indeed. So, I mean, Kerry. You know, uh, Kerry gets. Uh, sorry, go on, mate. Go on. No, 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 no. Carry on, carry on, Chief. Well, I was just going to say, Kerry gets. You know, the, the, he, he actually does. I mean, this is the interesting stat. I mean, he plays thirty-eight times, forty-two, including his subs appearances, but he only scores five goals, which is just like so. I mean, Kerry, all bar about one or two of the seasons he played for us, is our top goal scorer, and this season he's get gets five. He, he absolutely. By his standards, a very, very poor season. Anyway, let's uh, move on to the next game. We, we, we beat Spurs. We follow that up. I think we follow it up. Uh, no, we, we draw two or would not count it at home. Uh, Joe Allen and, uh, and, and Elliot score again, uh, that famous striking pair that we have. Uh, and then we play Luton at home on the 31st of August. Um, now, this is remarkable for two things. One, one of course, is we wallop them 4-1. Kerry scores again. Uh but this is also um, this is also Vinnie Jones's debut. So there you go. Can I mean? Do you remember? I mean, you know, he's a he's a bit of a pantomime villain, J.K. Isn't he? But do you, do you remember much about the reception that Vinnie Jones got? Well, I, I felt I never took him seriously. I, I thought the club had sort of reached into the mire slightly, having him play because he was. I was all. Let's put it this way. I was always taken by surprise when he did something good, because he he, he volleyed in a few goals. You think, oh, he's actually quite skillful. But his ability just to kick somebody up in the air was just so farcical. And and his, his and I was looking at what he contributed. All right, long throws. Pretty, they scored some goals from it. Um, uh, long range shooting from time to time. I mean, he he wasn't actually a bad player. But his reputation was so appalling, and he didn't help himself. What was the game that he got booked in well, the I'll first? I'll tell you what. Let's let's keep our powder dry Wait on that, that one. Powder dry for that, but it's that brilliant. was kind of sort of a dreadful, dreadful, stereotypical. You just expected it. So I thought I don't get the club's transfer process at all. They had Alan Dickens still in the in the squad, who played in the Spurs game, had a really decent game, hardly plays again in the season. Townsend played a lot better this season than I felt he did the season before. Hey, he got was captain. Yeah, and that may have contributed. You've got Dennis playing out of his skin. I thought once again, Dennis Wise uh, was 
one absolutely superb for the whole season. I, I, he, he is. The, the more I think about it, he is a consistent performer and somebody that to whom the club meant so much. Never stop trying. I love a trier, a skillful trier, skillful, two-footed, just excellence from Wise all the time was just um, was superb. And I, we, it's never. You must, we must never forget his contribution to the club was fantastic all the way through his career. That's why he's one of my favourite players ever. Um, uh, and you, but you've got other players who, you know, you thought um, the season before Matthew had played and had played well. I, I don't think he, I think he hardly plays at all this season. Is this down to is this down to the manager making a decision? Um, Graham Stewart in and out of the side season before looked very good. Suddenly towards the end of the season plays an enormous amount, but it means that other people then don't get in. So it, it's, it's um, uh, David Lee hardly pr- plays this season. I know it's because he's bought Elliot. One so game. One cow and Elliot. One but game. Yeah, the he, season was a, before, he was a fixture, wasn't he? Yeah, the season before he'd been a fixture. So I found all of this very confusing. So for suddenly Jones to appear, you thought, why the fuck do they need Jones? Why do we need this in the club? I, 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 want, I wonder if in a sense, you know, bearing in mind uh, Porterfield had been uh, Bobby Campbell. I always want to say Booby Campbell for some reason, but Bobby Campbell's uh, assistant in the in the side where we brought in, you know, Graham Roberts into the midfield to provide some 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 steel and some bite. I wonder, Clayton, whether uh, Porterfield was looking for Jones to do a similar job. Um, I don't know. I mean, all I know is that um, we bought some people during my. Um, <clears throat> time supporting the club that I have shook my head and said <laughs> really and believe me there's been a few whoppers I have to say that Vinnie Jones is the only person who we've signed who actually made me stop going wow and I, I stopped going to a lot of games that season I just thought, nah, not for me. I just, you know, well, you know me. I've been supporting forever in a day. Man and boy. Man and boy. Hardest job in the world. But that that did it for me. I just thought, you've got to be joking. Just, I, I just couldn't, <laughs> I, I couldn't reconcile it. And I just stopped going. I stopped going. I, I went to a lot less games that season. Because I just thought that that I don't know what statement the club is making, but whatever it is, it stinks, and I don't like it, and I don't want it. Yeah. So um, bye bye. <laughs> yeah. Okay, see you basically. Like, see, see you in a couple of weeks, Clayton. Then fair, fair weather supporter, but I just thought this is ridiculous. I mean, just I just didn't want him there, and I think the irony is that we ended up over the years basically having half of the crazy going there, didn't we? Because obviously we had Wise, we had Besson, we had him. We ended up signing Terry Phelan. Was there somebody else we bought as well? There was, wasn't there? There was, another, there was a defender that we bought as well. So, yeah, for me, that was a, just a nightmarish signing. Some of them might have bought, though. I thought there was some good... The Earl, who played for them early on in the season, was a terrific player. Really Robbie Earl was good, Robbie yeah. Earl. Really terrific. And... Um, uh, 
The guy that Spurs bought was good as well, wasn't it? John Scales. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there was another. Def- he had a very good series. I mean, I I speak from experience here because I, I lived said I lived in Tooting. I went and watched them occasionally midweek. Uh, uh, there was some that, despite the, the 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 rustic form of football, there were some very decent players there. I don't know how they. We we couldn't lay a glove on them when we no, played them. When never. in their peak, they that four nil defeat. I'll never forget that at home. Yeah. They yeah. absolutely mullered us, didn't they? I mean, but Dennis, Dennis played out of his skin in that as well, though, against us. Um, I'm going to stand up for young Vincent here. It's not just because, you know, he's a Hollywood legend and uh, and I'm scared of him. Because I think, I think actually, in spite of... I, okay, I mean, I, I respect what you're saying, Clayton, and, and JK as well. But, I mean, he, he does become a bit... Maybe it, it depends who you kind of went with, I suppose. But you, you can understand, I'm sure... I mean, you know, I would consider you two as... Atheists, if you see what I mean. Am I, have I got that right, JK? Atheists. Atheists. You're aesthetic. You're into aesthetics. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, whereas a lot of people I, I know now and, and went with occasionally then were, were a bit more, shall we say, agricultural. Or no, industrial, I think is probably better better put. So, you know, Vinny did appeal to a lot of Chelsea fans because of his aggro and his passion and his, you know, double, a bit like Joey Jones, funnily enough, his namesake, you know, clenched fist kind of stuff as well. But that's not the point. The point is, going back to what you were saying, J.K., which I think is a really fascinating one, I think that one thing we have discovered on this wonderful uh, Odyssean journey that we've been going on uh, since since March is you can tell a lot about the team by who makes the most appearances and how many of them are and when you've got a really really good functioning team you tend to get about 11 players pretty much as per position playing the majority of the games this season we have the following players who played over 30 games so I've made the cut off 30 all right Steve Clark, Kerry Dixon, Paul Elliott, Vinnie Jones, Graham Lasso, Ken Moncow, Andy Towns and Dennis Wise that basically makes up you know, though you know the bulk of the team, if you like, for most of the season, and I think that's very interesting. Number one, there's no goalkeeper there playing over over thirty uh, uh, appearances. So, and as you as you, as we were talking about the other night, funny enough, uh, it seemed to be hopping around between uh, Kevin Hitchcock and David Besson. So this is the era when Dave starts throwing the ball in the net and losing the plot. Um, the interesting thing is, other than that, it's fairly well spread about. Although what I would say. You know, so you've got Clarkey uh, as a, as a as a as a full back. Um, you don't have a consistent uh, right back. You have uh, Paul Elliott and Ken Moncow predominantly being our central defence. You would have thought midfield. You've got Vinnie Jones and Andy Townsend. Wingers, you've got Soxy and Dennis Wise, and up front you've got Kerry. But when you think about how many other forwards we played, it kind of it's like a false equivalence, isn't it? Because actually, I think the season was. There was something really disjointed about it. But I also think he, I don't know what pattern he felt he was playing. I think I agree with you, Clayton Boyd always struck me as being a really cultured signing and player. And yet, uh, how many games did he play? Tommy, well, you? Tommy, of course, later on, as you were alluding to, gets basically swapped uh, for, for Tony Cascarino. Yeah, uh, yeah. In, in a deal with Celtic, but he played 26 games up to then. So I would imagine had they not got rid of him in around, I think it was around February or March, he may well have got over 30, but he was a decent player. I, and he was actually, when, when he went to Celtic, he was a very, very good player for them. Well, he ended up playing about 40 times for Scotland, didn't he? he Aye. A, 
no, he was a top player for certain. He was clearly a top player. So what? Do you, do you know? What do you know what? Um, do you know the, what? The whole, the whole thing with the Castorino swap, etc. The story was at the time, and whether how true this was, I don't know. But it really pissed me off because he was such a good player. He really was. He was class. Yeah, Clark on one side and Tommy Boyd on the other side. They're just brilliant fullbacks. But they were basically saying that Motherwell didn't want to set to sell him to Celtic because it would have looked bad. Yeah. And therefore he was more or less parked with us. And it was always going to happen that he would then go to Celtic, but it would be us selling him to Celtic rather than Motherwell. So whether there's any truth in that, I don't know, but Otherwise, it made absolutely no sense because the signing of Cascarino was peculiar. And we will pick, we will we will pick we will pick that up when we get to kind of to March. allude to another situation. Was I remember when we bought Eamon Bannon? Do you remember that? Um, yeah, Eamon, from Hearts, who, who similarly was a very good player and uh, was sold again at the beginning of the following season, and then carried on playing in, in Scotland and got another so many. You know, yeah, series of of Scottish caps. Another decent player. So you you just wonder uh, whether whether this was a fait accompli that Boyd was always going to go to Celtic, and it was just a question of of treading water with him, or whether um some, somebody somewhere decided that that this wasn't what was required. But to to swap him with Cascarino, as we will get there, was just absolutely peculiar. I, I think there's I think there's some merit to uh, to Clayton's point there. Anyway, get back to where we are in the league. We, we play uh, after uh, Luton, smashing Luton 4-1. We then go up to Sheffield United and win 1-0 up there. Wisey scores. We're now a second in the table, by the way. Uh, this is September the 3rd, Mark you, so it is early days. We then play West Ham at, uh, at uh, uh, Upton Park, one all there. Wonderful uh, so Cross in that as well. Yeah, Kerry, Kerry gets a goal. Uh, you know, they've got the wonderfully named Ludo McClosco in goal and the very long-haired Ian Bishop that I always remember very, very well. Uh, we then... Got stabbed. Bishop? Yeah. Did he? Yeah, he did. No way. I did not way. know that. I did not know yeah. that. What, during I'm the match? Pretty... No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is West Ham, mate. Anything's possible. Yeah, that's true, actually. But yeah, no, he got stabbed. I will look it up. I will. You carry on. You look, it, look up. it up. You look it up, and I'll carry on. We then we then face uh, our old enemies, Leeds United, on the fourteenth of September at home, and this, uh, in fact, uh, is our is our first defeat. Now, this is a Leeds team, which of course then you know goes on to win the champion. Uh, well, yeah, the, the championship as it was then. Uh, and Lukic, Sterling, Dorigo, Tony Dorigo's played them, Batty, McClellan, White, Strachan, Hodge, Shutt, Chapman, McAllister, Speed. That's a pretty decent Leeds team. I think we'd all horribly Dorigo agree. Dorigo does go into a better side. So yeah. good luck. Oh, and they won, they won the title. So, you know. Were you, were you at this one, JK? Oh, of course, Chidge. Of course. Of course. Got um, it? I, well, I hated watching. I know you, you go there with a. With with bitter taste in your mouth that you're playing Leeds, you know, because because you hate them, you know, and you hope that some other team are going to do well against them. But they were a very decent side at the time, so uh, um, you know, there's a kind of this is the proper competition. This is a proper match for me. Um, we got schooled that day, didn't we? Yeah, uh, yeah, they were very good indeed. Well, yeah. I, I wasn't going to say anything, but yes is the answer to that. 
he should have scored more than one. We were beaten one nil, but it was uh, it was a much bigger defeat than that. It was indeed. Uh, we put things right. Okay, so oh, I have oh, an update. Oh, we have an Ian Bishop sta- stabbing update. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't Ian Bishop. It was actually, it, it, no, 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 no. Don't. Uh, it was basically the guy who got stabbed was a guy called Trevor Morley, oh. who was another professional footballer. Played for Villa. And the rumour was that he was having a gay affair with um, former Trevor, uh, Ian Bishop, with the full details on the infamous night that teammate Trevor Morley was stabbed. There was a, a, a rumour that they were those two were having a... Uh, a gay affair. It's because they both were rather pretty and had long hair, wasn't it? That's, this is the trouble that people make these suggestions about them. It's like well, they, look, yeah. poor old, poor old Soxy. I loved his hair. Read the Guardian. I yeah. love I love Ian Bishop's hair. Actually, I've got I love say. anybody's hair. To be honest, well, this is true. I, 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 should, I should. The less I say about this, the better. As I am, the, <laughs> as I am the Chelsea Perlo, as we all know. But um, nice to see that homophobia is alive and well in West Ham in the uh, early nineteen nineties. Who who could have possibly guessed that? Anyway, uh, talking to Claret and Blue, we uh, make amends from the defeat, the first home defeat of the season against Leeds uh, by beating Villa two nil at home. Uh, Villa are a decent side in those days, by the way. Um, and then we play QPR away. By the way, from a Jones long throw, which so at least he was contributing. Well, he scored a goal here as well, mate. I don't know if that's his first goal of the season for us. It might well be. I'm whizzing down very very quickly and. My poor old... No, that is his first goal. Scores his first goal against Villa at home. There you go. Uh, Andy Townsend scores the other one. Um, We then play QPR away. Now, as we all know, QPR have been a bit of a bogey side for us in recent times, much to the absolute annoyance and horror for for, uh, uh, our dear dear mate, uh, Kelvin Barker. But uh, this is actually a pretty decent uh, match for us because we we basically go 2-0 down. Uh, with some absolutely horrendous, uh, horrendous defending, horrendous defending. Funny enough, Gavin Peacock scores for them on fifty-seven minutes. So we're decent two player, decent player. Yeah, don't know what whatever happened to Gavin Peacock, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel that he ended up wearing the uh, the blue of uh, of Chelsea. Did he? I think he also has a certain reverence about him. Yeah, very good, very good, Chase. Uh, but that's later. Uh, anyway, um, what happens is Townsend scores an absolutely just. I mean, basically, we come back into a world, eh? yeah, seventeen minutes. No, hang on a minute, just let me get through this, and you can can have, can, can say. But uh, Townsend scores an absolute worldy on seventy minutes. I mean, just wallops it in from outside the box, and Y scores in the literally the last kick of the game with an overhead kick and a bit of a penalty box melee. So we get away with a two-all draw, a bit of fight and a bit of comeback. J.K. It wasn't Gavin Peacock, it was the other Peacock, the centre-half who went to play for Newcastle, because this Peacock, Gavin Peacock, wasn't playing for Rangers. He eventually played for Rangers after he'd played for us. Thank you. I'll edit all of that out then. <laughs> Very good. Because this is the Peacock, the centre-half with the ponytail who played for Newcastle. He went to Newcastle. OK, enough enough peacockery. Uh, yeah. So there we go. So we 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 really, that was a good comeback actually. Uh, in in the season review, Ian Porterfield was was very happy and uh, impressed by Chelsea's ability to come back. But being it was also another long throw, by the way. Yeah, you, you counting them? Well, they were they seem to figure a lot because you think in terms of what did Jones contribute? Well, he was a long throw, I suppose. Yeah, can't argue with that, matey. Um, no. all, all right. So um, I'm going to whiz past very quickly the absolute debacle of getting knocked out by 
uh, Tranmere Rovers in the two-legged affair of the Rumbelows. Rumbelows Cup. Oh, yeah, well, I was going to say... But, but, oh, but so, did they get to the final, that they, uh, Thank you, thank you, Clayton. Absolutely spot on. Then they were not as bad as we all thought that they were at the time, and they, they did actually get to the final that year. I cannot remember for the life of me... Uh, who they lost to, or they might have even won, I don't know. But Aldrich was playing well, for them. No. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, now, other than that, we drew two all uh, at home against uh, an Everton side containing, uh, of course, uh, the wonderful, much-lamented uh, Pat Nevin. Uh, and then mm. and then we go away to Arsenal. Now, of course, Arsenal, we're in six, by the way. You know, we're doing... We had a good start to the season. We had a few hiccups, but basically... I, I mean, I would have said sixth place, that stage of the season, I'm quite happy with that. But much as Chelsea had this ability occasionally to come back, like they did against QPR, they also had this wonderful capacity, as they still do to this day, of combusting. And they did that against Arsenal because they were 2-0 up uh, with goals from uh, Kerry, who scored a penalty. Uh, sorry, no, I'm thinking of a different Dixon. That was Lee Dixon. Ooh, my bad. Uh the the goal I talked about a minute ago when Kerry beat about three Arsenal players and slipped it through to Lasso, who scored on 14 minutes, and then uh, Kevin Wilson put his 2-0 up on 20. But then it just basically all went tits up. You know, Dixon scores a penalty, a bit of a dodgy pen if you ask me. Ian Wright scores uh, on 47 minutes and uh, Kevin Campbell scores on 70, uh, which was all in all very disappointing, even though uh, this is a this is a decent Arsenal side who were there or thereabouts winning the title a lot in those days. Uh, I mean, the cl- a classic Arsenal lineup: Seaman, Dixon, Winterburn, Thomas, Linnigan, Pate. Colin Pates was playing for them. Bloody hell. Uh, Rocky Rowcastle, Ian Wright, O'Leary was still around, Smith, Campbell, Limpar, Merson. That's a decent Arsenal side, Clayton, isn't it? But, you know, should we have been losing 3-2 after, after being 2-0 up? Well, basically, that was a period where... I suppose as a club and as a team, we never ever thought we could win at Arsenal because we didn't. Um, and I can't say I particularly remember that game, um, but we, they just had the hex over us. There was no way that we were ever going to beat them. I mean, to actually lose after being 2-0 up comes as no surprise. As you say, the penalty was very dodge. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it... it the one thing that came across from sort of just reviewing the season was how absolutely awful our defence was. I mean, really, really poor. Um, I couldn't and, work out the goalkeeping aspect of it. because Well, it was, the, I was going to come on to that because I, I was, it was quite interesting considering what we're going through at the moment. The number of mistakes that Besson and Hitchcock made between them was just enormous. And But you can't, you can't have goalkeepers sharing. You you've got to have somebody in there and and that's it. And you've got to stick with them. I mean, it just doesn't work and it didn't work. Mm, definitely. Bessons have been so wonderful the season before. Yeah. That, that you, you presume that it wasn't the, in fact, it was the season before that. It was the 89. The, the promotion winning season. Yeah. Yeah. He, been... he was, he was brilliant. He came in and he was fantastic. Yeah. yeah that wonderful ability, which you could see in, in, uh, in elements of it, of, he seemed to be able to close down players where you thought normally people would stay on the line, even particularly nowadays, modern goalkeepers stay on the line and trust their 
their athletic ability. Whereas he would go absolutely towards the player having the shot and, and nine times out of 10 block it, which was great. But in this season, as in the yeah. season before, he seemed to start losing that ability and the ball would go underneath him a lot. And yeah. um, was he actually injured, Chidge? Do you remember the, for the whole of the season at the beginning? Because Hitchcock seemed to play more and more. And, and Hitchcock never struck me as being... He, he was, you know, very springy and he, he had that kind of a bit... Uh, you can't deny if somebody's got that ability like Benetti always did. It, it doesn't really matter how big you are. If you, as long as you're five foot ten or 11, you can get to the ball. And, and Hitchy used to be able to get to some... some re- make some really fine stops. But he started to look very, very vulnerable. And then suddenly Dave Besant came back in again and he similarly looked vulnerable. So I absolutely agree with you, Clayton. It was a, a season of thinking neither of these goalkeepers is playing well enough. I, I, just, so, uh, I, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's lovely, isn't it, we've, that we've got Clayton on on this particular issue because I think, I think you raise a really interesting point there. You know, like where was Besant in the scheme of things? Where was Hitchcock? And I think if I go back in my memory, I think number one, I think, you know, a bit like uh, what... Uh, what Clayton was saying about any winger coming in after after Pat Nevin was, you know, and it, it took Pat Nevin to kind of replace Charlie Cook in people's affections. And I wonder if there's an issue here with goalkeepers too, because, you know, we had the cat, Peter Benetti, for so long, who was such a great goalkeeper. Uh, and then if you kind of, if I go back in my mind about Chelsea goalkeepers who were good enough, who cut it, Eddie Niz- Nizviecki, obviously, I would also say Dave Besson. I think Dave, there were there were a couple of seasons where he was really, really good. Magnificent. He played for England. As yeah, exactly. It was magnificent. And yeah. then it all went Pete Tong. The next best goalkeeper that we've had in this kind of time period, I thought Karim was a decent keeper on his day. Uh, Ed De Hoy, then Carlo Cudicini, and then we're into modern times. But the rest of them, basically... None of them were good enough. Not even John Phillips, who had a bit of a purple patch. But I don't think... I mean, we've had, we've had some absolutely awful keepers. Peter well, Perotta, bloody hell. Oh, madness. Madness personified. Some of them would start well and then do something would happen to their confidence. You know, like Steve Francis, for example, who then subsequently played for Reading against us and was outstanding. But he, he had a decent career, but he was... He was never what the club required, the kind of elite goalkeeper that required. Well, you hoped the club would want. But then when they when Barota just kept on appearing and you just thought he's he's he, Barota was so annoying that he'd, he'd pull off some completely phenomenal save and let the ball through his legs for no apparent reason a few minutes later. Because so. he was pissed, as we subsequently found out. Clay- I, I, yeah, I, I agree with what you say. I mean, I, I think Steve Francis was... Um, I think we got rid of him too quickly. I always liked Steve Francis. He had a, a horror weekend where we basically, when we lost 4-0 at home to West Ham and then on the Monday lost 6-0 against QPR. Yeah. And that was the last time he played or one of the last times he played. And I think he was a young keeper playing in a shit defence. And I think they discarded him too quickly. I think if we would have stuck with him, he might have been good, but you're you're 100% right. I mean, lots of the goalkeepers that we had, because you forget we had Tony Godden, you know, Perry Digweed came in for a little bit. Um, we had some right old rubbish. I mean, we really did, with all Bob due Isles. respect to them. Sorry? Bob Isles. Bob Isles. Yeah. Oh, God, Bob Isles, who basically, the great story about Bob Isles was that he basically, um, he had a clause in his contract when we bought him from Wealdstone for fourpence. 
and that basically said that once he played a certain amount of games, we had to play Wilston some more money, and therefore Bates stopped him ever playing again. <laughs> typical, typical Bates. All right, moving on. Uh, there's another high point coming up. Uh, where where did I get to in our little time? Yeah, the, the debacle against Tranmere, having uh, lost to Arsenal. We then face Liverpool at home. Now, we draw two all, uh, and I have to say... Uh, another Jones goal, who, as I said, I think is becoming a bit of a cult figure by now. Uh, the great thing about this is at a 17-year-old Andy Myers making his debut and scoring a cracking goal. Uh, and frankly, we were much the better side that day uh, in the two-all draw. I thought Liverpool were very lucky to get anything out of this. This, by the way, I think is the beginning of the awful Liverpool team. I mean, they get to the cup final this year and win it. But this is, I think, the beginning of their decline. You know, when they've got players playing like David Burrows, Tanner, the awful bloody Dean Saunders, Mark Walters, um, that is not a great... You know, McMahon was a decent player, but, I mean, you know, that is not a classic Liverpool team. But nevertheless, take nothing away from us, Clayton. I thought we were so much the better side that day. And it kind of... It's in keeping with this period of time when we, we were doing fairly well against Liverpool with the odd blip. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you follow a big team like Chelsea, one of the most frustrating things is not being able to get a ticket for the match, especially when it's away and not live on TV in the UK. What can you do? Get updates from your mates? Follow online commentary? Listen to the radio? Let's face it, it's not the same as actually watching the match live, is it? NordVPN have the solution to every football supporter's match day problems when they can't watch the match live. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. It's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chels. Yeah, no, that that was um. That was a really good performance. Uh, and it was quite interesting watching those highlights again. When they when Ian Rush scored the equaliser and they said that was his first goal of the season. And what was that? That was that was good good few games in. Nineteenth of October. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, we we played well. I mean my my overall view of this season is this is or was a typical Chelsea season. 
absolutely some standout performances, did really, really well. And <laughs> had some absolute horrors. It's It was, at, at, at that time, that was what supporting Chelsea well, was all about. Just to underline that, JK, Clayton's absolutely spot on. As I said, I think we've been doing pretty well up till then. And I think that Liverpool performance underlines it. And then we just have this one of a typical, horrible, horrible Chelsea uh, kind of period where it's like nil. We, we draw nil-nil against Palace, not a bad result. We beat Coventry 1-0, not a bad result. We get absolutely dumped by... Uh, by Norwich at home, 3-0. And, you know, the the worst thing about this uh, is that Fleck, uh, Robert <laughs> Fleck scores two, one of which, I have to say, was an absolute worldie. I mean, a really good, good, good uh, win. We then... That, that was minute, the one. Let me just yeah. run through and then I'll go yeah. back, all right? We lose 1-0 to Southampton. Uh, we drew 2 all uh, with Ipswich in the den of data. We beat Forest 1-0 and then we get dubbed by Sheffield Wednesday 3-0 Again, they're a very decent side at that time. And then we end up losing uh, 3-1 to Man United at home uh, just before Christmas. So we, we, it was a horrible... Hor- and, and we lost to, to, to Notts County 2-0 and Luton 2-0 for the last two games of the year. So it just a horrible kind of, you know, winter period. But go back to the, the Norwich game, JK. Um, I was, of course, there. And uh, Fleck played completely out of his skin and was absolutely excellent. And this final volleyed goal for the end of the area, completely superb goal. You just thought, wow, what a player. And it was that that obviously not only did I have that thought, but Ken Bates had the it's same your fault. You, you went up to it's Ken, didn't you, and say, yeah. bye, Robert Fleck. We were as one. Because you, you, you were on, you know, talking terms with Ken in those days, particularly his misses. Well, no, 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 not, 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 not then. Soon to be afterwards. <laughs> About three years' time from this, but no, he was just he was below me. And well, I also just to talk briefly about this, but I was always confused by the stand because, um, you know, I had a season ticket, and I thought that that the, the season tickets were hard to come by, and yet you'd go to a game like that, and there'd be about fifteen thousand there, and there'd be nobody around you in the upper tier. So clearly, people. Season tickets weren't selling very well in the East Stand and the lower East Stand would be completely empty either side and there would be a dribble of people in the middle. So it can't have been that people were staying away. It must have been that they just didn't sell many season tickets in the East Stand. Do you know what um, the average home attendance around this period is about 18,000? Yeah, absolutely. So they're they're massive holes, but it always seemed to be in the the East Stand. If you look at the shots from the the, the TV... Excerpts that we keep watching. I always think uh, there. I you know I'm looking at my bit. My bit's quite full, right in the middle of the of the uh, east stand upper, but um, just around it and above it empty. So therefore, they were just waiting. They they didn't have se- many season tickets um, in season ticket attendees watching those games. Um, but anyway, but Flex scored these. He, well, he was everywhere, non-stop running, and um, and Bates then obviously thought he's the man for me, and then. The following season, five million pounds exchanges hands, and we're we're subjected to a rather chubby man running around into the wing and falling over a lot for the well, rest. You of know us. what, J.K. It could have been worse. We could have bought uh, the bloke, the striker who was a, a sub for Norwich that day, Chris Sutton. Of course, that yeah, would, that, that would never been, happen. Yeah, obviously, that, yeah, that would never ever have happened. But um, um, uh, also during this period, we did a bizarre piece of, of purchasing 
which was to buy Clive Allen. Yeah, I'm gonna. Can I just park that for a second? Because yeah, that, that that becomes very interesting, as as I say, for the the next month or two. But before that, um, going back to the Wednesday, some of these horrible losses. Uh, we lose three nil to to Sheffield Wednesday, which actually at that time wasn't a disgrace. They were a decent side. But the interesting thing is, uh, Clayton, both Kevin Hitchcock and Nigel Worthington get sent off. Um, but as Jonathan rightly says. Um, you know, we, we've just literally, this is about the 6th of December, and we've paid 250 grand for Clive Allen from Man City. And, of course, being Clive Allen, he scores uh, uh, on his debut, uh, and he scores uh, against, uh, I think it was, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't Sheffield Wednesday that he, that he, hang on, let me just check to see when he, he made his... He scores against Man U. Yeah, his debut was Sheffield Wednesday. He didn't score, I've got that wrong, he didn't score on his debut for Wednesday. Uh, but he did score... Uh, against uh, Man United in the 3-1. But the f- remarkable thing is, chaps, you know, in amid this horrible period, which we now slip down to 12th by the end of the year, you know, that we're always erratic and everything. But number one, this period, I mean, it, it just reiterated watching the highlights again. I mean, Alan was on fire. By the time we play Spurs, uh, I think at the beginning uh, of the year, Getting towards January, yeah, we play them on the eleventh of January. He, I think he'd scored five. He scores in that one, five in six. He scored. So he scored yeah. against Spurs. He scored, scored against Man City. Man City in the one-one there. Of course, he's old bloody he club. Two against Oldham. Two against Oldham. And then he scored against Spurs. And he scores against Wimbledon. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, just to kind of like without getting too kind of drawn up and boring about it. I mean. I worked it out. I think he scored uh, something like 10 goals in 22 games, uh, all competitions. But the remarkable thing is, you look at some of the goals he scores. uh, You know, he scores... Well, I know we'll get on to the things like the cup matches in a minute. But, you know, he scores some really, really important goals. But he gets sold. He gets sold to bloody West Ham. (laughs) Right? Twenty uh, seventh of March. So we bought him. We bought him on the sixth of December. He scores pretty much one goal every two games, which is a good rate for a striker. And but I have to say, a goals, lot. Chid, yeah, chid, yes. great goals. Totally. Not, not just not tap-ins. Great phenomenal goals. Phenomenal angle one, one of the best goal scorers in my yeah, lifetime. Yeah, yeah. But he scored in eighty six, eighty seven. He scored forty nine goals and was player. We was player of the year. So Spurs what? still didn't win the league. No, they didn't. They didn't. But, but so what? What was going on? Well, the, I, I, mean, I, I was. I've actually questioned him about this. I met him at an airport. Well, what, did what did he I say? What did he say? He said, uh, "Oh, he was a bit, you know." I just said, "Oh my God!" I said, "Clive Allen, what a wonderful goal scorer!" But why, are, why did they sell him? Why, why did they sell him? I didn't. I it didn't was get money, wasn't it? Because yeah, basically, yeah. he got sold. Transfer deadline day, he got sold. Cundy got sold and somebody else got sold. And the speculation always was that we were desperate for funds. Yeah, for money. Because yeah. Cundy didn't want to go. Yeah. No. Yeah. Cundy's yeah. always said he never wanted to go. But, but, didn't yeah, know anything he, about but it. But also the, the, the madness of also then, why did they have Cascarino as well when you knew that if they got rid of Allen, we'd end up with Cascarino? We got rid of Dixon. Cascarino would be the centre forward. And he truly was. He was. And all right. 
he was a decentish player, but he was there for you know. He wasn't. Two. He was a lump. No, all right. He, he played well. He played very well. He always played very well for Ireland. He was a bloody as, hairdresser. As I remember. And you know it. I remember that that great line. I was standing outside. There was an Irish couple lived. I was living in Tooting. Lived on the corner. And when when he scored that goal against England. They were at three o'clock in the morning. Who put the ball in the English net? Tony Catcarino. You just think, yes, yes, he always played terribly well for it for, for Ireland. I, I remember, I, I remember the. I, I know we, the, the, I can't remember that three 0 defeat. That was at Wednesday, wasn't it? But I think they also gubbed us at home, didn't they? Yeah, as well, three 0 at home as well later on. I remember six oh six when Danny Baker did it when it was absolutely brilliant. And he sort of went through the scores at the beginning of the show. And he went, Chelsea nil, Sheffield Wednesday three. Hmm. See that Anthony Cascarino is weaving his magic at the bridge. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, a very strange buy. I mean, I think, I think um, you know, I, I, again, you know, I think we can do a fair amount of reading between the lines here. I, 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 you know, maybe you're right. Maybe it was money. Although I have to say they sold Clive for what they paid for him. Which is yeah. so there was they were net neutral, but, but on that, that that was wage getting wages off the books. Well, it could have been because it just does not make any sense. The, the, he's got a, I mean, he is our best striker. I mean, actually, he ends up by the end of the season with bloody uh, ten goals being our best striker, which is just nuts. So it just makes no sense. But reading between the lines a bit, why did they buy Tony Cascarino? And if you think about it, they they sell Kevin Wilson. Um, Oh, about well, a month, about yeah, a yeah. couple of months later to Notts County, who I loved. I, I forgot how brilliant he was. Kerry's legs are going, but he's still doing a job. They get rid of Clive Allen. They've got Joe Allen. I mean, the, the feeling was that they'd got Cascarino because they wanted a big man up front, which seems to seriously question Porterfield's uh, strategy and tactics here. But we'll park old Cass for a minute, who's who's actually a really lovely bloke, I have to say, much as we want great to. Great book, wrote a great oh, book. Yeah. Uh, a, I was just about to say, one of the best books, yeah, football biographies brilliant. ever. And he, and he is, he's genuinely a, a lovely guy. Um, but we, we can't, we can't, uh, you know, let this slip, uh, no pun intended, because having, you know, clearly just absolutely combusted up until uh, the end of uh, uh, the uh the year, as I said, you know, we need to recap on the fact that normal service, of course, is resumed by beating Spurs 2-0. And, of course, now we're into the FA Cup. Now, you know, this is a time when, you know, we, we really should be giving the Cup uh, a bit of a go, although we, we seem to have this appalling record uh, getting very far in it. But uh, I think this year smells a bit different. Uh, we play Everton, you know, decent side, obviously, uh, in the uh, in the third round, and Kevin Wilson is the sub. But guess who scores the one nil in the one nil win? Clive Allen, of course. Uh, and of course, that takes us the fourth round. Chidge. Third round is Hull, isn't it? I'm so sorry, you're dead right. I whizzed my my finger was was too busy. I think is the only way I could put that. Yeah, we uh, we beat Hull up there at Boothbury Park. Vinnie Jones uh, and and Dennis Wise. That gets us through to the fourth round, which of course is against Everton, when we win one nil. And then that takes us uh, on to uh, what comes after four, the fifth round, which is against Sheffield United at home. And this takes us back to what Jonathan was going on about a while ago, where uh, Vinnie Jones, in, I, I, I have to say, I mean, I know you boys don't really approve or like it too much, but I have to say it's one of my favourite favorite football moments ever, let alone a Chelsea or Vinnie Jones moment. But he manages to get booked inside a minute. I mean, it's basically from the kickoff. 
Sheffield uh, United kicked off, passed it to some bloke, and Jones just went through him like a like a you know a knife through butter. It was just hilarious, and uh, of course he get booked. You you both would have been there, I would imagine, and remember oh, this well. I was I was there. I was, but all, everything had already been um, sort of hyped up about him. As was he the dirtiest player in the league? I remember at that time there were articles about this, and almost once again stereotypically panto villain he then achieves something in the first 10 seconds i think it was personal because he'd played for united of course and i think he just wanted to uh, smash somebody smash somebody yeah. no, I, I i agree he 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 was so psyched up for that guy. i remember yeah. before the game going round and sort of you know yeah. Yeah. g-ing everybody up and all the rest of it he was. i mean he, you know for, from that point of view he was he was obviously good because he wanted he was a winner and wanted to win uh, and that's about it, really. Well, I'm going to I'm going to add to that, and actually, with a funny little story, because uh, one of my favourite Welsh people in the world is a lovely lady I used to work with, uh, and she she was also called Jones, and she used to say to me sometimes, "Oh, Chidge, you've got more faces than the Pandy clock," which of course is a is the four faced clock in Tony Pandy. Uh, anyway, her namesake uh, also wears many faces, I think, and uh, I think arguably our best match of the year. I would say. Um, I'd be interested to hear what the boys have to think about this. But this is one that I think, if you say season 91-92 to people, this is probably the match they will remember most. Uh, But we went up to play Liverpool at Anfield on the 1st of February. And we have not beaten Liverpool in Anfield since 1935. And my goodness me, we only go and win 2-1. But the first goal was by Vincent Jones on 20 minutes. And it is an absolute worldie. He kind of flicks it up and absolutely wallops it past Grobler in the the cop end. Dennis Wise scores on 75 minutes. And in fact, actually, we should have won 3-1 because Wisey misses a penalty or more to the point. Grobler pulls off a really good save on 83 minutes. There's a couple of other things uh, about this which we, we have to comment on. Uh, but uh, the the newspaper reports said that uh, Liverpool had been mugged by the crazy gang of Jones and Wise, and uh, apocryphally, well, I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently, you know, there's a very famous, you know, this is Anfield sign where the players walk under under it, don't they, to get on the pitch? Apparently, uh, somebody had scribbled on it. We're bothered, very much suspected to be, very much suspected to be Jones and Wisey, which is the kind of thing that they would do. But it was a great win, and that Jones goal lives long in the memory, doesn't it, Clayton? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I remember, I mean, this is the the days before live TV and this, that, and the other, and I was out doing something. And I got home, and I just thought, oh, God, I wonder how many they tonked us. One for match of the day, wasn't it? Yeah, and I, I was astounded. I was absolutely astounded at the score, and then obviously saw... Match of the day, but yeah, no, could, um, but this is Chelsea, isn't it? I mean, it was, yeah. it's ridiculous. There's no way that we expected to go and do it. However poor Liverpool were, we haven't won there for 55 years. And then we go and do that. And Vinnie Jones scoring a goal, which, you know, anybody, anybody would be proud of. Yeah, there was always great joy in that period of uh, of deliberately not finding out what the results were. So you could watch Match of the Day as if it were a, a brief 10 minutes live of the game or even less. So I, you never, I rarely knew the results. 
And would well, definitely... you could do that apart from the fact that you were desperate to know what Chelsea did. No, well, I, I was anyway. No, no, I I never did that. I had that that self discipline to enable me to uh, to skulk round alleyways and uh, keep my head down and never never know the result. So I would then to the consequence which the great whooping occurred from me when when the Jones goal went in, uh, in even in the highlights and uh, and when Dennis scored. And, the, and even when he missed the penalty, I'm going, oh, but at the same time, there's a great feeling of, yeah, I've seen this vaguely live, which uh, I always managed to try to do. Yeah, that was Jones's goal was just I was absolutely typical of the man because he was such a caricature. And then lo and behold, this brilliant volley from the edge of the area. Uh, wow. I'm I'm just checking up on this because my memory is is absolutely rubbish, as we all know, but. That it should be remembered that there was a period when Match of the Day wasn't actually on the air, and I'm wondering if it if it was. Well, it must have been the big match then the following. Well, day. if it was around this time, because you whatever know, it was, I still managed Chidge not to know the result. Yeah, I, I can't find it because you know basically the BBC are like Russia and China; they just populate Google with bloody links to the current program. Where what I want is a bit of Wikipedia on there, so I can find it quickly. But yeah. Yes. Um, well, I'll, I'll come back to it next week. But, you know, it was a really, really weird time for, for, for televised football. ITV were getting a lot of the main... Um, that's why I'm thinking maybe the match of the day didn't exist then. Because, uh, you know, ITV were doing a lot of the coverage and getting a lot of live matches, actually, in, 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 in Division 1 that, that season. And this is before Sky basically invent the Premier League. But Sky are also covering... Or BT... Was it... B Sky B, it would have been in those B days. B Sky B, yeah, yeah, they were doing a lot of coverage. So I, I, I don't think the BBC had the rights to the football in those days. But anyway, a lot of Sky Sports stuff in the yeah, uh, there was the highlights, yeah. or, and and because it, it had Andy Gray being a very different um, pundit, how he ended up, Andy yeah. Gray screaming a lot, slimmer. No, no, we didn't see him. He was the other other um, uh, other commentator. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so there we go. We beat Liverpool. Uh, actually, we're now back up to sixth. So, you know, we're doing our usual, you know, bloody up and down like a yo-yo kind of thing. Now, we've got the uh, quarterfinal of the FA Cup coming up against Sunderland uh, in the end of March. But uh, before we get to that, I just ha- should have a, a, have a recap on some of the other matches that we that we played after Liverpool. We beat, we draw against Palace. Uh, where Tony Cascarino makes his debut and, of course, scores an absolutely awful comedy goal. It basically bounced off him. Uh, we draw 1-1 against Southampton in uh, in, the, in the in the league. Andy Townsend scores. Uh, Michael Jilks makes his final appearance for the club, having made his debut literally games before. What a weird, weird player that was. Uh, we beat... Uh, right, we, we, Sheffield United, as I said, we in, uh, beat them in the cup. We draw 1-1 away to Forest. Uh, Edward Sheringham scores in the first minute for them. We'll Cl- never beat Des Walker. We'll never, well, we did that, that day because uh, Clive Allen scored on 73 minutes. Yeah. Uh, we draw uh, against Man United, which uh, is memorable for, for several things, really. One is a, an absolutely hilarious Mal Donaghy own goal. Uh, I mean, who on earth would go and sign him after his Man United career? I just can't fathom that one out after that own goal. Oh, it was Chelsea. Uh, and, of course, two offside Man United goals. I mean, these were the days when uh, you would get Man United goals called offside at Old Trafford. So Fergie's clearly not weaving his magic. Um, 
And as Clayton said, we got we get dubbed by uh, Sheffield Wednesday 3 0 uh, again at home. Uh, and, and then we have uh, the, uh, the uh, FA Cup quarterfinal against Sunderland at Stamford Bridge. And uh, I'm going to ask the boys, who no doubt were both there, A, how they felt before this. We're now in a quarterfinal of a cup. We're playing a second division team. Are you smelling Wembley yet, uh, Clayton? Yeah, I think we were, to be perfectly honest. Um, I was Because I, I, I would have to say that the, it was heartbreaking. The whole tie was heartbreaking. We were 1-0 up, weren't we? They, they scored late in the second half, uh, John Byrne. I can't actually remember whether John Byrne had actually gone from QPR to them or went from Sunderland to QPR because he no, always no, scored against way. us. No, it was it was Rangers it, to Sunderland. It was. He yeah, always, yeah. He always scored, scored against in us. Fact, in fact, we were confident he would score. I yeah. remember watching the game thinking he'll score against us. He always does. So. But we played really well that night yeah. and then just couldn't finish it off. Scrappy goal. Alan, yeah, Alan, so. sco- Alan scored our goal, of course, yeah. to put us 1-0 up. But... Yeah. Uh, we should have we should have gone through then because as you as you said we were the better team really and you know yeah. we, we just knew that they were going to equalise which means we play a replay so we go up to Rook a Park um, and and I mean I, I I have to say you know of this era I think this is probably one of one of the biggest disappointments I had you know because like you lot I thought hello hello I can smell Wembley uh, and and I I just thought this game. I mean, Jesus. I thought Besant was really unlucky for the first goal. And then Kerry goes close. Great save. Wisey goes close. Andy Townsend gets a shot off the line. Finally, Dennis Wise equalises on 86 minutes. And then from a bloody corner, Armstrong heads the ball in on 88 minutes. I mean, basically he was standing on the penalty spot. So bad defending. But, you know, to, to head a ball past the keeper from that far out, you think, what? And it's just had one of those kind of it's just not not our night kind of feelings about it, J.K. Well, I I remember the game at the bridge where I think we were completely all over them, and it it, it was just a, they they sort of just got a breakaway well, goal. Well, I think we were all over them in the replay as well. How we lost uh, that two one, I'll never know. No, that's true. Well, there it was a very partisan crowd, and uh, um, I, I think Norman was it. Norman was the goalkeeper. I think he played. Yeah, clear. he made. Completely Some tremendous saves. Skin on both in both games, he was absolutely phenomenal. Um, so yeah, but uh, I, I always, in this instances, was slightly bemused with the two centre halves who we always thought were supposedly top banana, but they missed this kind of thing quite regularly. They'd be headers from areas where you think, surely, hang on, Moncow and and Elliot are surely better than leaving these players just to head in from from unmarked positions. It was a very it, I always found the defence slightly peculiar, but I found that I found all our performances sort of it, it was this mixture of excellence and and ridiculous. Shite. Yeah, yes, exactly. It was. It was this bizarre thing of great skill with some fantastic players. I mean, you think about it. Townsend at the top of his game, terrific player. Wisey, fantastic. Soxy, fantastic. Um, uh, Alan, completely brilliant centre forward. Um, uh, Clark, f- fabulous right back. Um, the left back by there. Well, Bobby Stewart kept coming in to play right wing. 
Um, and he was, people were talking about him playing for England, even after playing very few games, because he seemed to be um, very, very good indeed. And, and I think he, he played large numbers of games towards the end of the season, didn't he, Chidge? I think. Uh, yeah, he, he did. And I mean, one one player that neither of you two have mentioned, nor have I, in, in, and I think this is, is relevant in terms of the quality of the players that we had at our disposal, of course, is Paul Elliott, who came in. The no, no, I've, I've, no, I've been mentioning him, Elliot. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we haven't we haven't talked with, about him in we haven't talked about him at length, have we? And no, no, and, no, no. You know, he ends up being our Player of the Year this season. But he was. I mean, what what staggers me? Again, the funny what what tricks the old memory does to you. You know, because my my remembrance of you know, because of course I think it's next season, isn't it? He gets injured out of the game by that odious little shit, Dean Saunders. But you know, he was our player of the year this season. It was absolutely justified. I always kind of hark back to that year and think, oh my God, yeah, he was superb. He was such a commanding defender, loads of time on the ball, real, real quality. Uh, and of course, um, you know, he scored and, you know, chipped him with a few goals. And yet we've been moaning all all, all, all evening about how bloody awful our defence has been for half of it. Maybe we could just blame Ch- Jason uh, Clayton. Cundy, Cundy's no, fault. I- Cundy's fault. I think that the surprising thing was from watching the highlights as to how bad, because we always perceive, and rightly so, that Paul Elliott was a fantastic defender, great leader, etc. But he was part of that defence, which was hopeless. And the amount of headed goals that we conceded. That's my point. As I was saying, yeah, he was I, I, I 100% agree with you. And, and that, that Sunderland goal was a prime example. You know, this was a free header from about... I mean, it was it was about fifteen yards out. There was nowhere near him. That Sunderland game was uh, that was a killer. That was the worst I'd felt after a Chelsea defeat for a long time, because as you say, it was the quarterfinals. We hadn't got that far since I think we were beaten by Spurs. Well, we'd have, we'd have played and, Portsmouth in the semi, uh, and it was just. It was because we battered them and battered them and didn't think we were going to equalise. And in true Chelsea style, when all hope was given up, we score. And it's like, oh, thank God, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And by the time we basically sat back down, I think they just went, I think they kicked off, got a corner and equalised. And it was just like, oh, no. And I can't remember the actual facts, but didn't um, on the coach going home, didn't uh, Townsend and Wisey have a punch up? I don't. I don't know. You tell me. I I think there was a massive falling out on the coach going back. Pretty sure of it. Well, clearly, I don't know. clearly, Dennis won. <laughs> <laughs> Judging well, by what happened, Townsend left shortly after. Exactly. Exactly. J.K., you you want to uh, eulogise uh, Paul, Paul Elliott? I know, and I'm sorry we kind of drifted off back. No, to no, the no. Game. Far from it. No, I was saying the, the the. I said we had mentioned him. I was. I, just echoing what Clayton was saying was I was confused by the fact that we had Moncow, who'd been fantastic the year before, and Elliot's two centre halves, and yet we were constantly giving away headers. Exactly what Clayton said. And, I was, and 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 you look at on um, the, the team should have been. You look at them, the p- players they had. Why was this happening? You got Clark at, at right back for part for part of the period up until then. You had Boyd, who was a terrific left back. Who's who's and was it Myers slotted in at left back when? Um, 
when he went up because when Gareth Hall didn't get a kick for the season practically, did he? And he'd been regular the season before. But you, I suppose it's because Clark was um, Clark had fallen out with Campbell in some way, hadn't he? Whereas he was picked by Besant. Yeah. But who was left? Who was left back? I've forgotten here. Um, who did he pick left back? Because it wasn't. Well, if it uh, wasn't, if it wasn't Tommy Boyd, you mean? Yeah, yeah. When we sold Boyd, we ran about this time. Well, we Cass- we we you know. did. I mean, I can tell you who was. Uh, oh my God! Guess he's yeah. Dope. Frank Sinclair. Of course, it was Frank. Yes, Dope. Frank came in at Absolute. the end of the season. Mad yeah. Frank, man, Frank. He, he did break in. Right. I think Andy Myers. Andy Myers was playing more on the wing. When he, no, he when was, he was the winger. Yeah, well, well, we we actually had great aspirations for Andy Myers. Yeah, he's he was a good player. That he, well, he he never really pushed through. He was seventeen, wasn't he, when he was playing? Yeah. In- I mean, it's interesting what you say, actually, and I think this is worth kind of just just dwelling on this in a minute because it, you're right. It, I mean, the only thing I can think of, maybe Clayton's got a view on this, is the is the uncertainty with the keepers. You know, Besson beginning to throw the ball in, Hitchcock never really good enough. Bless him. But you're right. I mean, you look at the central defenders we've got as well as the as the as the uh, fullbacks. You've got Paul Elliott, who we all think is a fantastic player. Uh, Ken Moncow, who we think has has been a really good central defender for us. And, you know, I know we joke about him because he's he's such a good mate. But, you know, Cundy was highly, highly rated uh, by the club and the supporters. I mean, he was well loved by the supporters. Maybe there's a bit of, you know, he used to be on the terraces with us going on there too. But Jace was a good central. I mean, you know, Jace broke into the England under-21s. I mean, Jace was a good defender. Uh, and, And yet... We watch some of this footage and they look like the Keystone Cops. Absolutely bewildering, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of things that I'd say. I think as we are witnessing now, the defence has to be helped by the midfield and you do actually wonder how much defending was done by our midfield at the time. You've got Vinnie Jones in there as a destroyer. And Andy Townsend used to come back, and you know. Well, he was he was box to box. He I, I, he didn't really break things up, in as far as I can remember. But I think that the the point is, I think that the pitches were awful, and I think that you know a lot of times the ball's getting stuck and and what have you. But it's just very strange because I can't remember when did um, when did Don Howe. Next year. Coach for us. Was it? Sorry, what was that? I think it's next year. It's next year. Because he was brought in because we were such a shambles at the back. And I think that obviously Porterfield, who was a striker, that wasn't his strong point. Um, so it is, it, it is a complete enigma because, you know, Paul Elliott was a fantastic defender. And as you say, we had some decent defenders. We had great Great fullbacks, um, but yeah, I, don't, I mean, looking at that, how many goals were the faults of goalkeepers? Quite a lot, <laughs> to be honest. It was quite a lot of really comical goals let in, and I, I just don't think sharing the duties ever works. Well, we, and I, I sincerely hope that's not what we're going to do this season. I mean, we we <laughs> you, well, quite. I mean, our goal difference was minus ten. Uh, we let in sixty and we scored fifty. I, I I think we we were certainly very much under par scoring. And actually, you know, we're about par. I mean, I'm just trying to think. Uh, there were, uh, I mean, interestingly enough, there were two sides who finished above us, who let in more goals than us, and that's Palace and Sheffield United. And there are one. 
two, three, four. Who actually? So we were, yeah, we were one of the worst, worst defensive sides that season. I mean, on on def- on, on goals let in, we would have finished about eighteenth. So I think that I think that we are we're kind of working through this. This is quite exciting, actually. We kind of our brains. You can see the cogs working in our brains as we're doing the show. Not if only you could see it. It'd be quite fascinating, I'm sure. Anyway, back to the football. Um, my view on this is that after the Sunderland game, after being knocked out of the FA Cup, our season basically just fizzles out. I mean, you know when I yeah. what I actually I actually. Uh, entitled because i like kind of i title these little chapters which i don't bother sharing with the audience just to kind of keep me interested as i'm going along really but that, that whole idea of uh probably jonesy and wisey scrawling in i i, I like I in my mind's eye i see it scrawling uh in big black marker pen we're bothered on the this is anfield side i've actually called this we're bothered actually we're not bothered because pretty much after sunderland the whole team looked like they were absolutely not bothered the next match after the sunderland game uh, we lose 2-1 to uh, Sheffield United. Now, this is notable for three extraordinary reasons. Uh, the first one is it's Clive Allen's final appearance, which we still can't get our head round. The second is it's Jason Cundy's final appearance, which we were very, very cross about at the time. In fact, going to the extent of bring writing, in talking of black marker pen, bring Cundy back on the uh, East Stand wall. Uh, but the most remarkable thing of all is that Jason Victor Cundy scores a goal on 50 minutes. Were you two there? Do you remember this momentous occasion? Home against uh, Sheffield United? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. What a bad I, goal. I, I, I certainly wasn't there, and I've got no recollection of that whatsoever. It's almost so unbelievable that it can't possibly be true unless you actually witnessed it, Clayton. Yeah, no, it's 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 quite... Um, it's like you said after that Sunderland game, it was it was somebody taking the air out of a balloon. Yeah, it was just like we're not we're not going to qualify for Europe, we're not going to go down. What's the point? What's the point? And then and and then they basically sold those players, and it was just like oh, you know, couldn't wait for the season to end. And maybe that's also what they were thinking too. But J.K., you you were at the game. You remember Cundy scoring? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. When well, we had great hopes for him. Yeah. We thought he was a really decent player. Yeah, he was, thinking, yeah, yeah. But he's got a goal. Good for him, you know. But it's interesting to see that the the uh, they made a profit of three million one hundred forty five thousand on the transfers, isn't it? At the time, yeah. and uh, so that to me spoke volumes as to what Bates was all about. Yeah, um, balancing the books. But yeah, well, making yeah, not even balancing them, making a profit on it. Yeah, um, I've just I've, I checked earlier that basically Carbra didn't actually go into um, receivership until the following December. So it's still a while, so, yeah. Yeah, so we didn't secure the bridge funds. until December of January of the following year. So he's probably after funds to try and fight it, isn't he, really? Well, yeah. you know, you, I mean, I have to say, much as we're very cross about all of this, you know, Bates's financial management of the club and also, it should not be forgotten, uh, Colin Hutchinson, who I thought was a really shrewd, shrewd businessman in that context... Uh, you know, are, are arguably doing the right things given what else is going on around the club. So, I mean, some of these decisions we're looking at purely from a football point of view saying, you what? But actually, you know, maybe it belies what was going on behind the scenes, which we're kind of alluding to there. Um, we, we then play, uh, by the way, Man City. We draw nil-nil up there. And then we play uh, soon-to-be-relegated, I'm delighted to say, soon-to-be-relegated West Ham uh, at the bridge, uh, now featuring, of course, one... Clive, Clive Allen. Allen. 
Guess what he does, Jonathan? He scores of against. Of course he does. Of course he does. I mean, he's a bit like Jimmy Greaves, Clive Allen. He always seems to score on his debut or against sides he played against. I mean, you could, you know, absolutely, you know, well, just guarantee again, it. Going on about this, he, he didn't score tap-ins, he didn't score easy goals. He was always scoring bizarre volleys from acute angles and and just, just first-time shots where you think there wasn't a shot on. Oh, my goodness, he scored. Bloody hell. He was great. He was a great player. What on earth did they do? Oh, God. This was also uh, Darren Barnard's uh, debut, by the way. Um, he was all right. I liked him. Yeah, he wasn't bad at all. Yeah, go on. No, he was a decent player. He, did, he hardly played for us, didn't he? Did he end up going to Charlton? Uh, I don't know. I, I Darren Barnard's kind of, you know... Escaped my consciousness somewhat. He was left back, wasn't he, Clayton? Yeah. Left back. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was quite good. Yeah, yeah, he was. And he I, played. I'm... In fact, he played. In fact, uh, I don't think Frank played all the time. I think it was him and uh, him and Darren Barnard played. Well, yeah. Once again, I remember thinking, "You do. You're encouraging of youth. You want them to do well. Did well. Thought as a decent performance. Let's see what next season is going to bring out for him." Yeah, I mean, the other interesting thing to note here is that Craig Burley starts. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking. Oh, you know. Did Craig Burley play for us the season before then? Because I was thinking it must have been his debut around now, but he must have he must have played before. That's why I kind of went on a bit of a brain fart. He played, he played once the season before. He as did, well. didn't he? He He's did. Very young, but in the same way Eddie Newton actually has a game as well. Well, we're he? getting to that, Jonathan. Premature ejaculation. What have I told you about that? Sorry about that. So Dar- Darren Barnard played twenty nine times in five seasons. Bloody hell! And then went off to Bristol City and mostly. Played for Bristol City, Barnsley, Grimsby. Barnsley. We're confusing shots. We're confusing him with Barnes. I'm sorry. Oh right. Okay. No, that's uh, his name was Anthony Barnes. Anthony Barnes. Absolutely. I'm confusing him. Sorry. Yeah, Barnard played midfield, but even yeah, but he was. I still thought he was pretty good. I thought he was a decent player. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as you say, Bristol City, then Barnsley. He had a decent career actually. Down yeah. There. Lower divisions, yeah. Right, so yeah. we're now we're now kind of slipping towards the uh you know the dying rights of this season. We we go up to Leeds after West Ham, we lose three nil. Pretty comprehensive uh, dubbing, really. Leeds are, are are in this kind of infamous duking it out with Man United. United, of course, still haven't won a, a, a first division title since Busby's days. Uh, Leeds, of course, haven't done anything since Revy was around and it all goes down to the last match where Leeds win. But uh, the interesting thing about this match, I think, is not just that we lost 3-0, but uh, Eric Cantona, who, or Cantona, who's been brought in uh, really to, you know, to get Leeds over the line, scores a classic Cantona. I mean, whatever one thinks of Cantona, I, I happen to, I liked him as a player. Wonderful player. Yeah, he, he just Wonderful. had that edge about him, didn't he? But he scores Wonderful. a brilliant goal. Uh, I mean, if you if you love football, you can't help but love Cantona. I loved yeah. his arrogance, mate. Oh, what a yeah. character! Yeah. I loved his goal celebration. Score a goal, and just stand there as if to say, "Look at me, I'm the best in the world." Well, he oh. was indeed, and I think he was. What? I think he was stooping uh, Leslie Ash allegedly, which is who was uh, married to uh, Lee Chapman, which is why he got sold to United. So they say. So oh, they so say. Well, we don't deal with we don't deal with idle rumours on this show, do we, J.K.? No, we definitely don't. Never. We'd never do that. Uh, Anyway, we then play QPR. We win 2-1, which is a delight. Um, 
they actually finish above us this season, I think. Uh, and then we lose 3-1 to Villa in the penultimate, uh, almost penultimate match. Uh, nothing really to write home about about these matches at all. Last home match of the season uh, is against uh, the Arsenal, uh, and uh, we draw one all. We looked as though we might be winning this match, actually. Um, but sadly, Lee Dixon scores on 88 minutes. Decent goal, actually. An the- Arsenal fallback scoring an equaliser slash winner in the last couple of minutes. That was a foretaste of what was to come. Well, wasn't it just? Um, I mean, our side's quite interesting. I mean, it's Besson, Sinclair, Lasseau. Lasseau's now been moved back to left back, actually, interestingly enough. Uh, no sign of Stevie Clark. Maybe he's injured. Vinnie Jones. Erlen Jonsson's back because, of course, Cundy's got the, you know, he's been sent off to uh, Spurs. Ken Moncow uh, is uh, is playing in central defence. He gets substituted by Gareth Hall. Graham Stewart starts on the wing and then Damian Matthews subs him. Andy Townsend, Kerry Dixon, Tony Cascarino, Dennis Wise. So interesting how things are evolving. And the last match of the season is away for uh, for us uh, up at uh, uh, Goodison Park against Everton where we lose 2-1. The notable things for... There are a few notables for this one. The first one... Eddie Newton makes his debut, the lovely Eddie Newton. And, of course, he scores on his debut on 72 minutes. Bit of a consolation goal. Uh, because before that, Everton uh, have gone one up through a uh, Peter Beardsley penalty. Uh, a penalty, I think, given. I, I think Moncow fouls him. And then as, as, as Beardsley gets up and is walking away, Moncow, who's about literally twice his height, actually playfully slaps him on the back of the head. Uh, and the odious prick of a manager, uh, this is bizarre, his name is John C. Deacon. I think we all know what the C stands for. Uh, but he's actually from a fictitious place in Wales called Llantwit Major. So he's a twit major as well, and his middle initial is C. You couldn't make it up, could you, Clayton? You called him the manager, you mean the referee? I meant the referee, so I completely ruined that gag, but never mind. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, John C. Deacon, Llantwit Major, sends Ken Moncow off for giving uh, Beersley a playful slap on the back of the head. This, by the way, is also Ken Moncow's last appearance for Chelsea. And, of course, most sadly of all, it's Kerry Dixon's last appearance for Chelsea. So, um, weird, isn't it? Eddie Newton starting his Chelsea journey and Ken Moncow and Kerry Dixon ending theirs. I didn't realise that. That is, that is very sad. Hmm. JK, you in mourning still or what? No, no, I'm just sort of bemused by the turnover of idiocy that, you know, you just everybody uh, in and out that seems to be happening all the time, which you just accepted. Well, I suppose there was an element of of excitement about it. Who's going to be playing for the team next year? But it just meant there was very little consistency. And, uh, and it, we couldn't really work out what the manager was trying to do. That was my main thing with Porterfield. You thought, what is he trying to play here? I can't really see what the plan is. It was, uh, it was. You had sort of decent individual performances, but um, uh, you know the pairing of Cascarino and Dixon at the time was just, just look. You know, you. I was, I was expecting it to be Cascarino, Cascarino and Allen, which I think was the was the possible pairing the following season. But um, uh, it, 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 it didn't leave you with great hope. For the following season and yet at the same time you know there's always you always have this this possibility that something may come together i've always been you know glass um 
half full man when it comes to Chelsea. So apart, uh, apart from on the Monday night fan cast recently, when when yeah you, yeah well, you, no, you no, kind that's... of run out of stuff to fill your glass with, mate. I think that's no no good. no. I didn't have a glass. Run out of green tea, mate. Have you? I didn't have a glass. That was the problem. Um, just just going back to to Kerry. I mean, I've just said it's his last appearance, and of course Ken Monkhouse. Of course, we didn't know that at the time, you know, because Kerry got <laughs> sold to Southampton in July. Yeah, yeah. And Ken Moncow got sold to Southampton, funnily enough, in, in August. So we wouldn't have known. The following season. No, I mean, when the following season starts. Yeah, so we wouldn't, we wouldn't have been in mourning because we wouldn't have known. This all comes later. Let's just pick up on Kerry because, I mean, I, I, we may well do this next week as well. But, you know, he basically, this is his last season for us, which, of course, is very sad. But all good things must come to an end. But obviously he scores 193 goals, which leaves him nine short of Bobby Tambling's record. Of course, if you've been listening to this show for the last few weeks, you know, this is the point where we say, Kerry, if you just scored some of those bloody penalties, mate, that you missed, shockingly, and you may well have caught Bobby. Um, so, but a disappointing season, I think, for Kerry. You know, five goals in 39 appearances. This is not the Kerry that we knew and love, in my opinion, Clayton, although you, you, you were, as you said earlier, quite impressed by, by this season for some reason. It's certainly the beginning of it. Um and ironically, and we, we didn't actually, uh, you mentioned it in the script, and I, I would say that the goal that he scored against Norwich was probably the goal of the season. Do you it know was absolutely, yeah. absolutely brilliant. I forgot to mention that, you're right. He, 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 he kind swivel of, into the area, volley, yeah. swivel, volley, wasn't it? Absolutely brilliant. And he still had it. I don't know whether it was a mental thing. As you say, his legs may have gone by then. But I don't know because he still scored goals after he left us. Well, um, he did all right for Luton, but he—I I know for a fact because I've spoke to him about it—that uh, uh, you know that he hated playing for Southampton. He, he just wasn't into it at all. He didn't like them. They didn't like him. You know, but he didn't do badly for Luton, as we will find out in two yeah. weeks' time. Um, but so there you go. I mean, ultimately, listen, the guy's a legend and always will be. He'll always be loved by anybody who saw him play. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's just a complete, as, as Jonathan was alluding to, the complete sort of mishmash. I mean, what? So we had Dixon, we ended up with Dixon and Cascarino, and we had Clive Allen playing, we had Kevin Wilson playing, we had Joe Alon. And you just, I mean, you wonder how mentally that affected Kerry. Just, well, you know, because he'd always been, num- you know, our number nine and the number one striker. It's funny you should say and then, that. Go on, finish your point. No, I was just going to say, and all of a sudden you've just got this absolute mishmash. And I think Jonathan said earlier on, was this a sign of Porterfield not having faith in him? But it just seems to me a little bit naive of Porterfield because you've got a guy who is proven goal scorer, who scored so many goals for the club before that season that you just wonder whether Porterfield missed the trick by not actually trying to help Kerry rather than actually bring in this sort of hodgepodge of, of other strikers. Well, as I said, it's funny you should say that, Clayton, because uh, I did speak to the great man and this is what he had to say about not you know missing Bobby Tamling's record and, and how he left the club and how he felt about that. Yeah, um, leaving. Um, it was in 92. Batesy had said... It was an end-of-season tour to Canada, and I got an idea. Um, I think Batesy had probably had enough. I, I, you know, I'd been gambling. It it didn't really affect me. Um, I mean, Bobby Campbell used to say, "Don't know how you, don't know how you do it." You know, with what 
the problems you have in life and you know in terms of gambling and you're right um and still managed to play football because i'd scored what i'd scored in 1990 89 90 season um bobby was there part of it when he fixed it up the batesy that you know sort something out for me which i did um by signing contracts and you know making things available again but because i i had three and a half years left on a contract um i should have put I mean, Bobby Tamlin calls me the man who kept him in business. And, you know, I should have put him out of business. And I should have, if I'd have stayed for three and a half years, I'd have put Frank out of business as well. <clears throat> so Batesy had decided he probably had enough. That's what I got the message, because Bobby Campbell said, the old man's not going to sort, sort it out this time. I said, no problem, no problem. I'll just sort it out myself. But then we were on an end-of-season tour to Canada, and... They'd signed Clive Allen and Tony Cascarino was there and I thought to myself, that's all right, we'll battle for positions. They're, they're mm. good lads, both of them good blokes. And uh, Batesy, um, Campbell had moved on and Porterfield had taken over. And Porterfield mm. said, we're going to uh, Canada. Batesy's coming. I said, oh, no problem. Well, Batesy pulled me and Porter says you, he wants to see you for breakfast in the morning. I said, all right, be there, be there at nine. We're going off and doing whatever. It's okay. So I went to see, speak to Bates. He didn't go with the rest of the team. And Bates, he said, look, I know you've got three and a half years. I'll cut cut to the chase. I've made a deal with Southampton for 575000 Um, You can go. Um, How do you feel about that? I says, I'll talk to him. But I says, I wouldn't hold your breath about me going. Well, what makes you think I'm going to go? I've got three and a half years left. He said, well, put it this way, I've done a deal, which means, effectively, I've done a deal. Um, we're signing new strikers. We, um, we've decided that we're not going to pursue you. We've got Clive and Tony and that, and we're getting two more in. And uh, we're spending a lot of money, and one or two, or maybe all three of you, are, well, could be surplus to requirements. Mm. Uh, but, uh, you know, Southampton want you. So that's the deal. I said, well, I, again, I'll talk to him. He said, well... Put it this way, you'll never play for the club again. You'll be in the reserves, and then three and a half years, you'll, you'll do in the reses. Oh, I just went like that. Um, it was food for thought, but if I'd have known that I'd spent the money, two million quid on Robert Fleck and Mick Harford, I'd have stayed. <laughs> and we would have been very grateful if you had. And I said, come on, yeah. us five would have done battle for the position. I think I might have done it. But listen, I, I wasn't playing great. Uh, you know, I did have a few problems off the field. Mm. Um, and I'm not blasé enough but to did think. Did that affect your football? Not well, being nosy, but well, did not... it affect your football? Well, you, I've gambled all my life. Put it... you ask yourself your own question. Yeah. I gambled. When I was at Reading. I got I got suspended at school for gambling with dinner tickets at the age of twelve. Right. <laughs> um, so I played cards every trip away. Yeah. We played cards home and away every game for every team I played for. Yeah. Um, does it affect me? I lost three thousand pound in a... listening to it on a mobile phone in the toilet at Oxford. Just before we went out, Bobby Campbell was moaning at me because, what are you doing in there? I said, I'm going to the toilet I need to do before. Well, the, when, everyone el- when everyone else is warming up, I was listening to the horseway, so 20 to 3. <laughs> the horse lost, I lost 3,000 quid. I lost 3,000 quid. It was one and a half grand each way. The horse come fourth as normal. And uh, I went out, we beat Oxford, uh, I think it was 4 3 or 4. I got a hat trick. Yeah, so that's your answer to it. I think 193 goals says no, actually, Kerry. But there Um, you go. People might argue if you didn't go, if you did everything right, if you had the right food, you didn't drink, you might have had 293. But listen, if my auntie had bollocks, she'd be my uncle, mate. There you go. 
know. But were you, were you sad to leave the club? I mean, oh, you had nine course. great years there. Oh, of course. I didn't want to go. But yeah. I, I, I had Bobby Tamblyn in my sights. So I was yeah. nine goals away from him. Were you uh, aware of that then? I mean, yeah, were you thinking course, about that? I was aware of that from... You know, when I got past Ozzy and yeah. uh, Roy Bentley at 150, yeah. I, you know, it was, I was heading for sights. the next one. I was heading for Bobby, yeah. and uh, it was yeah. one of them things. I thought to myself, but it, it that was probably my biggest regret: not smashing Chelsea's scoring record and not putting it beyond Frank and anyone else who might come along. You because you could have three done. and a half years, if I scored ten goals a year, you could. If I played 10 goals a year, that would be my worst three years ever at Chelsea. Yeah. And if I, if I managed to get game in 10 goals in however many games I might have played, there's another 30 goals on top. Yeah. There you go. Kerry, very uh, interesting stuff. Now, Jonathan, what, what have you got uh, anything to offer on, on Kerry? Um, I, I don't think he was given the, uh, the support, particularly from the wings in this season. They didn't appear to be an out, out and out right winger because Bobby Stewart came in and he, he wasn't known for his great crosses. He was very direct. I mean, you compare Stewart and Dury, there's no comparison. You know, Dury is wonderful. They both have blonde hair. Streamlined. Uh, I thought he was a bit darker and curlier, old Stewart. But Stewart, Stewart was a decent, decent player, but not a not in the uh, not not in the higher echelons that Dury was in. But I mean, Dury Dury provided goals for for Kerry just by being so so direct but even even though he played mostly coming in from the left but you didn't see anybody either side as dynamic enough to actually set things up for Kerry and um, if you remember all the goals he scored with Speedo behind him were where they would interchange and it would frequently be something came centrally and they'd be or a, a, somebody would, would full back would cross and there'd be a header down or a pass down for Kerry to run onto. And I wasn't seeing any of that pattern being recreated at all in this season. But I, I would, I would say, I, I, I'm kind of with Clayton on, on this one. Is that I, I think, and I've been saying this for the last few weeks. I think you know Kerry's becoming a very different player. And I think if there is, there is one thing where Porterfield et al missed a trick, it was to really recognise that. Now, if you want to make a, an analogy, Alan Shearer uh, became a very, very different striker after that horrible knee injury he had. And he became the kind of striker who would play with his back to the goal and he would hold the ball up and he would play a lot of, you know, he'd play off a striker as well and he would play them in. But he still had that, that, that you know, uh, experience and that skill in his head as well as in his feet to be able to score cracking goals. And I think you could have, I think they could have done that with Kerry. They could have, you know, they could have played him in a two because as, as as we've just said, that Norwich goal was superb. We've already seen the last few seasons where he's playing not just as the central main striker. Yeah. He's crossing the ball. He's playing people in. He's he. I mean, Kerry had a great deal of skill. He could pass the ball and he could beat players. What he couldn't do this season, which is what I've been saying all along, is play like like we used to know and love him, J.K. in the in the mid eighties when he would just you know bullock his way through and, and have a lot of pace at the same time i didn't think that he was being provided with the same kind of cross but yeah totally agree with that it was interesting that shearer um uh was helped by robson who robson told yeah. him that you've got to change the way you play booby uh, robson and, and uh, which one sorry booby robson as i like Booby robson yes yes and yeah but porterfield wasn't that kind of manager was it porterfield was a was was a green um well, uh, an enthusiastic coach that Bates gave a chance to, well, it was, rather than having having Bobby Robson was this great figure, I, superb manager in Europe, yeah, a wonderful yeah, manager. Yeah. yeah, 
I mean, the interesting thing, I mean, we, we you know, just to kind of, you know, uh, dot the I's and cross the T's, we finished, I'd say, a disappointing 14th, having kind of jacked in the season. Dreadful 14th. Well, Dreadful. Uh, yeah, I mean, after jacking in the season after Sunderland, I think they just, as I said, they I, they couldn't be bothered. Uh, we finished below Wimbledon, but there is always salvation, isn't there, Clayton? Because we did finish one place above Spurs, so never, never forget that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a sort of, um, it is 14th, but if you say that uh, we were still sort of, so I was clutching at straws. We were only sort of seven points behind Villa, who was seventh. So it was quite congested in that middle. Of, but yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty bad. And, and our sort of minus 10 goal difference didn't help us either. Well, as I said, Palace managed to be in 10th, uh, albeit only four points above us with, uh, sorry, Palace were 10th. Yeah. Seven they points. Were four points but, yeah. So they were four points, weren't they? But they had minus yeah. eight goal difference. We're in that midfield pack, aren't we? But I think the reality yeah. is we should we should have been a... I think we were good enough to be a top six side. So I think this is absolutely disappointing. Um, what else can I tell you? Paul Elliott was the player of the year. You knew that. Top scorer was Dennis Wise on 14. Top appearance maker was Graham Lasso on 50. But um, the reality was, you know, it was, it was classic Chelsea, you know, uh, erratic form uh, from the poor the sublime, to the absolute sublime from the disgraceful to the brilliant that that is Clayton said it early on classically Chelsea Let, let's talk about Ian Porterfield for a minute though because we were talking about him I thought it was really interesting what Rick Glanville says about him in, in Rick's wonderful complete uh, Chelsea history book that he was technically tactically and technically astute he brought in a lot of tr- new training methods to the club but basically uh, his fault was and this is what I think you were alluding to Clayton he was too inexperienced really to manage what was now a club full of pretty big egos and some decent players. And basically he was just too nice. Yeah. It's a bit strange, isn't it? Cause, cause Campbell was still around the club. I mean, whether he didn't want to get too involved because obviously the young, the young man had taken young over, man. but you do, you do wonder how much Portfield looked to him for advice in dealing with it because Whilst there were some some good performances, I mean, it just does. There was no shape to the team, or there was no. We didn't seem to be playing in a particular way. I think Jonathan mentioned it as well. But I think his first season, yes, it was disappointing. But what you don't know is, from that money point of view, the players that were doing well for him were then sold from under him and he might not have wanted them to go. And, you know, you, you go all the way back to the beginning of the season when you think if you lose Gordon Jury and uh, Tony Dorigo, who are two very good players. International And you're players. replacing them with Tommy Boyd and Paul Elliott. Okay, decent players. But then you, you, you lose Boyd halfway through the season. So it may be that Porterfield was put in there to just basically shut up and get on with it and do what he was told. Bates looks after the transfers because he's he's holding those purse strings. So we don't know, but I I would say that he probably did well in in all circumstances uh, surrounding what was basically um, going on around the club at the time. I think that's a really a really valid point, isn't it, J.K.? And I kind of I kind of summed it up at the end here, didn't I? But it just had a sense that this season was drifting. Really, and and there were a lot of players bought, 
at the same time we were losing a lot of good players and there was just a I mean after after we got knocked out of the cup it just fizzled out as I said there was a real nothingness to it um and, I think and I, unfortunately we thought the following season that it would it would get better but we always know, do don't we we always do but Porterfield was <laughs> so it wasn't given much don't, uh, don't tell them what happens next don't don't give them your name Pike Sorry, sorry, yeah, but I can't help. They don't it, but... know. They don't know that it all goes really tits up next season. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, I think I think you're right. I mean, I mean, this is the other thing that I. It, it's it's this is such a weird. I mean, you know, it'd be, I'm dying to dying to talk to you both about this because you know, let, let's be frank. You you were you were both going a lot more than I was, and probably had your fingers far more closely to the pulse. But I I think that this is such a weird period of Chelsea's history. You know, in in ninety they finish fifth, I think, don't they? Which was just so exciting. I, I mean, I know you you were very you were a bit down on it, J.K. But I was I was super excited about nineteen ninety finishing fifth because it's the best we'd done since seventy. And I thought, here we go, we're on a roll. But this kind of period, ninety, I mean, really from from nineteen ninety uh, to nineteen ninety one season, all the way through until when Hoddle turns up in ninety three. It's almost like a void. It's like a nothing happened. We were not going anywhere. We were in a quagmire. There seemed to be no stability, no sense at all. Players coming, players going, ridiculous buys, absolute flops. It it was just a really weird two or three year spell. It is just un unmemorable and undefinable in a way. Don't you think it would have been better sorted out if he'd bought uh, if he'd bought if he'd employed. A much more experienced named manager. Yeah. Well, he goes on. Well, he he doesn't go on to do that weirdly. But yeah, I, I yeah. I mean, you know, you could have attracted. I I mean, this is the thing. This is not the Chelsea of the early eighties and the late seventies when we were beyond abject and absolutely yeah. potless. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is a Chelsea side that had good quality players, international players, you know, well known players. A side that had finished fifth in the first division, that was back in the big time, was was big, you know a big club again. He could have he could have you know he could have brought in a decent manager, a named manager who who wouldn't have wanted to come to Chelsea then. Uh, Neil Warnock. Well, thank God for that. But I, I think I think the answer is something that we've been bashing around for the last half an hour or so. Maybe the really smart, canny, decent managers out there were going. Yeah, but how much money can I spend? How much how much control do I have over transfers? You know, your skin. You might not even be here in a year because you might not have a ground. Maybe there was just a, a you know, the people. You know, if you if you're in football, you know that this stuff's going on. Maybe that but would have put them off. The, 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 the point the point in all of this is that Bates was first and foremost a businessman. He wasn't a football person. He was a businessman, and. He, through whatever means, ended up um, doing a fantastic job for us, whether you like him or hate him. No, I he recognised what was happening. He recognised that football was getting on this gravy train. And he basically mortgaged us to the hilt to make sure that we made it onto that gravy train. Now, obviously we got bought by Roman. But his wheeling and dealing and his business acumen got us to where we were. I mean, we talk about, you'll talk about it next week, but the deal he did after Cobra, Cobra went bust was absolute genius, getting all these leases granted all over the ground. 
So what you've got to consider is that whilst this period on the pitch was very hodgepodge and it was, you know, you have to think that he was basically making up as he was going along. JK, you're about to come in? No, no, I think things summed it up brilliantly. Uh, You have to appreciate what... um what's going on behind the scenes we don't have access to is uh, it's possibly um, for Bates was more important at the time was keeping the club afloat and that what was going on on the pitch was he just wanted to keep them stably in the division and uh, and try and keep hold of the better players. But there was clearly something very um, unstable by the fact that, that, that some of the better players couldn't stand it the following year and wanted to get out. Well, I, I think you both hit the nail on the head, actually. And, 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 and you know, I, I think the reality is is that, that, that Chelsea were in serious jeopardy and absolutely not going anywhere until until Bates gets control of the stadium, which is when Cabra Estates go. You know, the threat of being evicted disappears and he can start doing what Clayton was describing, which is really, really building for the future, capitalising on the fact that we're in the Premier League, and, and absolutely rebuilding the club and making it really into the club that we know now, stadium, well, stadium no and all. No coincidence that the 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 best period of this whole season of this whole setup starts occurring in '94 when he starts making purchases and he's got more money and he gets the bond, which brings the whole, which is in the Premier League. He, he he's he's really really on onto it then, Bates. And of course, and the I, Premier League starts next season. Indeed, indeed. And, and but it, that, it, that's Harding, isn't it? That's Harding's money starts coming in. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you know, Bates, of course, as, as we will remember, was always, you know, one of the, I mean, I, I hesitate to say influential, but he, he always made sure he had a seat and a voice at the top table in the administration of the game. I mean, he was very involved with the FA, wasn't he? So he would have known... He would have known about what was happening with the Premier League. So actually, I think, you know, in, in closing, you know, it, it, he, he did a, a, a really clever ball juggling act around this period to keep us going on the pitch, even though to us it looked absolutely shambolic and chaotic and rather, st- you know, turgid and stodgy. But actually he was, he was, you know, as I said, keeping all the balls in the air, knowing that the Premier League was coming down the line, knowing that he had to focus on making sure the club was safe by securing the long-term future of the club and actually to, to his credit he managed to do all of that yeah yeah there we go what a what a what an earth-shatteringly sensible way to end a Chelsea fan <laughs> I'm I've almost shot myself there but I, I have to say I mean again as ever I mean we're all absolutely whacked out knackered but this is I, I feel wide awake now I feel we could do another two hours you know I'm not going to don't worry Clayton but uh, it's been it's been an absolute it's been an absolute joy uh, talking about ninety one ninety two bizarre season in many ways classic Chelsea moments classic Chelsea memories I mean things like you know Vinnie James's goal at Liverpool will live with me forever you know it was just sublime not to mention his two footer in in the first minute against Sheffield United as well so some well, great he me- would have been sent, he'd have been sent off nowadays of course he'd have been triple red carded I think for that these days. But yeah, I mean, in its own funny little way, another great season. But as I said, more to the point, much more fun uh, sharing it with you two chaps as well. So thank you very, very much. I've really enjoyed it tonight. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you, Church. Thank you, Clayton. Brilliant. Great stuff. Well, we will reconvene uh, next week. I haven't. For, I can't for the. I think it might be Mark Meehan next week. Uh, um, 
JK, but I'd have to consult my diary. But anyway, we will be back next week and we will be doing 1992 to 1993, which makes 1991 to 1992 look like a Champions League winning season by comparison. <laughs> but there we go. We'll, we'll, we'll spoil that one for you next week. Until then, take care. TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.